Wednesday, the 9th of October, three minutes past six. BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show. I, know, I say that every morning, but today I mean it. We've actually got lots coming up on the show this morning. And plenty I'd like to get your input on. I'll give the number out in a minute, OK? So just have a listen. If anything grabs your fancy, give us a call. The burglary laws are set to change. The thing is, if you don't secure your home, isn't it your fault if you get burgled? The three counties is to get another food bank. I'll reveal where in the next half an hour. And a Bedford couple buy a cannabis plant at a car boot sale. Yeah, a cannabis plant at a car boot sale. What's the most unusual item you found at a car boot sale, a junk shop, a charity shop, online? The way to get in touch, you can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can uh, text 81333, starting your text at... uh, No, starting your text 3CR, that's better, yes. Or give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you overreact when confronted by a burglar, you will have more protection in the law. That's what the Justice Secretary Chris Grayling will announce today at the Conservative Party conference. Grossly disproportionate force will still be against the law, but the bar will be set higher than the current proportionate force test. Confused? I know I am. Well, BBC reporter Gavin Lee is following this story. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. What exactly is going to be announced today? We were briefed late last night about this by um, Chris Grayling's people, as they call him, and uh, this is how they... That sounds very menacing, Chris (laughs) Grayling's people. (laughs) Yeah, and plus he he comes with the reputation and that whole baggage of being this tough-talking, the reinforcer. Well, well, this is... (laughs) about um, the whole idea that the the home is our castle and this new law is about fitting with that. And we were told last night that if you're in the scenario scenario where it's 3.30 in the morning, you're in bed with your pyjamas on and somebody is in your room, you see them, they look like they're stealing your telly, what do you do? Now, if if they could have a knife, they could have some kind of weapon and is it legitimate to whack them over the head with a frying pan? Is it in some way okay if you injure them in order to prevent that burglary continuing and this is about extending the current law because at the moment under the criminal and justice and immigration Act 2008 you can use reasonable force to protect yourself now what is reasonable force it's such a gray area Mm. it's down to the the judge's discretion and this is about chris grayling coming in and saying he wants to make it much clearer so now you can use well force that is disproportionate um, so if something happens that you act in anger that effectively the law is on your side that you are the victim and it's less on the side of, of the burglar and i think that's what what it's intended to stop in, in the cold light of day you you could use disproportionate force now again it, it's still slightly that's still quite vague isn't it gavin that's yeah yeah you i mean you said it right at the start you cannot use grossly disproportionate Ugh. force i think the idea is it shifts the emphasis slightly so that if a judge is sat uh, looking at the the scenario and looks at the example that was given by Chris Grayling's people, which was this, the, the frying pan attack, then is that um, legitimate? And again, they weigh up the circumstances, but I think it just puts it slightly more on, on your side. And you know, at the moment, if you do use what's considered disproportionate force, you could well end up in prison. And there have been many cases dating back to, to Tony Martin. So I think it, it's, it's slightly less vague than it was, and we're told that Chris Grayling has wanted to bring this sort of law in for a while. Do, do Chris Grayling's people live in a 70s sitcom? You can whack them over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> well, well what? the other thing is they've, sort of, they've drawn back from that and said they didn't want to use the frying pan as, as the main um, defence weapon. So that's to say, if you do decide to use a frying pan, I, I'm telling you now on this programme, on your programme, Ian, it's not clearing you uh, for any potential, you know, 
escape from prison if you do. I think the, the idea is that if you act in anger, uh, it, there is a little bit more understanding to it. And it's something that probably we were told Chris, um, Ken Clark, Chris, Chris Grayling's predecessor, wanted to, to bring in, didn't have time to do it, but now this uh, Chris Grayling is doing it. And when, when is this yeah. going to change, Gavin? Do we know? Is yeah, this, these things take a long time, t- don't yeah, they? Usually, but I think there is consent from David Cameron on this. We're talking potentially within the next six months wow. this will change. So, yeah, pretty quickly. Okay. Well, can I just say, Gavin, if I saw someone stealing my TV, I would creep ever so quietly back upstairs and let them take it. That's what house insurance is for. Yeah, well, again, you know, you, you, are, you are playing the, the blind man, the grey man. You are deciding to, to let it go. Your life isn't worth it. And I, again, you know, you'd be covered. You yeah. wouldn't be going to prison. You wouldn't have a TV. Yeah. But yeah, again, uh, you, you, you rest easy with your life intact. There's nothing on these days. Gavin, thank you very much for clearing that up ever so slightly. Just to say, after 8 o'clock, Chris Grayling, the Justice Secretary, will be on this show. So if you've got any questions for him that you want me to put to him, do let us know. So let's just say that you can use, you, it's so confusing, you can use disproportionate force once this new law is brought in, hopefully in the next six months. I still don't know what that means. If you've got any questions, 08459 455 555, and we'll put the best ones to Chris Grayling uh, after eight o'clock this morning. But I, I kind of think, if you don't have appropriate security measures in your house, alarms, locks, things like that, isn't it your fault if you get burgled? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Edison Lighthouse, Love Grows. I think it's going to be one of those shows today. I'd imagine it's going to be quite busy. If you want to give us a call, I would get in early. Tip, we've got Chris Grayling coming on after 8 o'clock, and I imagine lots of people will want to get uh, questions through to him. So if you phone up with your questions for Chris Grayling about this change in the law he's going to... Um, talk about today at the Conservative Party conference. We'll get the best questions and I will will put some of the best questions to him. I promise you that. You can uh, give us uh, an email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Or you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. I don't particularly want to talk about uh, um, how far you would go to defend your home. We did that a few weeks ago and that was fine and interesting. Uh, I, I do want to know what security measures you've got in place in your house because i'm of the belief if you don't have appropriate security measures to protect your home and by that i mean locks on windows strong strong locks on doors not those rubbish little ones you get strong locks on doors alarms if you don't have those things if you get burgled isn't it partly your fault isn't it partly your fault Really, because most burglaries are opportunist. They'll see an open window. They'll see that there's this, a, a rubbish little lock that you buy down the local locksmiths. They'll see that you haven't got an alarm. Or you've got a fake alarm and it's not flashing. Uh, and then they'll go for it. So isn't it your fault? To a certain extent. 08459 455 555. Mick is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Mick. Uh, good morning. You're up early. Why is um, I take the dog for a walk just after seven. Oh, well, well good, good, lucky old dog. What can I do for you this morning, Mick? Um... A comment about um, being um, the well, person's fault if they get broken. It's, I would say it's partly the person's fault, not completely, but yes, I think there's a bit of responsibility yeah. there. Uh, I think that's loaded cod wallet. Go on. Um, didn't Luton just lose a vase a few months ago? All that security they got three, three quarters of a million pounds? Oh, the the, uh, the infamous Wenlock jug. That's it. Uh, um, y- all that security they got there. Yeah. And didn't somewhere else lose? some Chinese um, um, ornamental things worth X number of million pounds and that's security. I'm not sure about the Chinese ornamental things. The Wenlock jug, I don't think the security was that 
hot around the Wenlock jug, was it? Because they, they, they kind of thought, well, no one's going to take this. Yeah, but they had all that um, security around that um, Chinese artefacts, whatever they wanted to call it. I'm not, I'm not too hot on the Chinese artefacts story. Yeah. But if you, if you talk about your house, though, Mick, if you make it easy for someone to break into your house, you leave windows open at night, you have a, a really weak lock on the front door, you don't have an alarm... Surely it's up to you, Mick, to, to protect your house as much as you can to scare the burglars away. On, on our house, we've got uh, proper locks on the windows, proper locks on the doors. Beautiful. And I don't know what sort of locks you've got on your house, but anyone, if they wanted to get in, they get in. How? Hey? How? You've only got to put, put a window in. Yeah, get double glazing. Hey, you still put a window in. You can't put double glazing in. You can. How? Hey. Okay, but listen, Mick, you've got double glazing and you've got locks on your windows. Your next door neighbour's got single glazing, no locks. Whose house are they going to burgle? All depends what sort of uh, setup they got. They're yeah. going to go for the easy one, Mick. They're opportunists. No. It's not like the Pink Panther or something. They're not there with loads of equipment and computers to try and break in. It all depends what that person we've got at that house. Mick, lovely to talk to you. Good luck walking the dog. Yeah. Cheers, mate. There we go. Mick and Milton Keynes disagreeing with me. Come on. If you've, if you've got all the security measures and they're obvious on your house and your next-door neighbour hasn't, who are they going to burgle? It's partly your responsibility, dear listener. It's 6.15. It's Tuesday the 9th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people who attack burglars in their own home. A pathologist has told the trial in the, in the murder of a retired army officer in the Hertfordshire village of Phoenix Pelham that there was no sign of a struggle or sexual activity. In sport, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will open the Football Association's new centre of excellence in Staffordshire today. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly. And coming up, an increasing number of people are becoming reliant on food banks across the three counties. Find out more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. This FA Centre of Excellence, Football Association Centre of Excellence, are they going to teach them how to do tweets? How to do proper tweets that don't get the massive, massive fines? Come on, footballers, for goodness sakes. Chris Grayling will be on after 8 o'clock, the Justice Secretary. Got a question for him? I'll put it to him if you like. 08459 455 555. Well, that's very bouncy, isn't it? Maybe a little bit too bouncy for 20 past six on a Tuesday morning. I don't quite know. Um, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. If you get burgled and uh, you haven't got the necessary safety precautions, and by that I mean locks on the windows, good locks on the door, burger alarms, isn't it partly your fault? No, I'm not taking away the responsibility from the criminal at all, but isn't it partly your fault? 08459 455 555. And also let me know what security measures have you got in place. I've got an email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. If you do send us an email or text, put your name on uh, and where you're from. It just makes it a little bit more personable. Um, this is anonymous. This is, Ian, how dare you suggest it is partly your fault for not having appropriate security measures. Anyone should be able to be in their home as we were at night and sleep safe. We didn't have an alarm at the time and they broke in through the locked front door. We've since got an alarm, a dog and a secure locking system. But I would not agree it was our fault. It was the scum that came into our home. They left with our cars, our house keys, birthday cash belonging to our youngest and phones. Remember, we were in our home at the time. Listen, uh, Anonymous, I'm going um, to call you Margaret. I don't know if you're a gentleman or a lady. It was Carol, was it? Thank you. Uh, Carol. Uh, I, I, I'm not in any way taking the responsibility away from the burglars. What they did was very, very naughty, and of course, they are—they call them scum if you want. But 
you yourself have admitted that since then you've improved the security measures. And I bet if you'd have had a really strong secure locking system, an alarm, a dog maybe, I don't think that's necessarily essential, they wouldn't have broken into your house. And I'm, I'm sorry it happened, it's a horrible, horrible thing, and, and touch wood, it's never happened to me and never will do because I've got the secure security measures in place. But if they'd seen that alarm and seen that you had a really good secure lock, then they would have gone next door, wouldn't they? Or two doors down, or until they found a house with a window open, or the one that wasn't so secure. So I'm sorry it happened. But I, I, I think, I really think that in these situations, it, 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 we have to accept a little bit of responsibility for making it easier. And it will be fantastic to live in a world where we didn't need to have all these locks and we could leave the back door open, all of this stuff. But we don't. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Now, you may know someone who's made use of a food bank in the three counties. Well, now, I didn't know what a food bank was until yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll find out more in a second from our guests, because an increasing number of people are becoming reliant on them. In the last two years, the number has more than trebled. Tonight, another is opening in Letchworth, making a total of 269 across the country. Well, Food Bank dire- uh, Network Director for the Trussell Trust is Adrian Curtis. Good morning, Adrian. Morning. I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't know what a food bank was yesterday. For those people listening who don't know, can you just very briefly explain what it is and what it does? Yeah, sure. Well, we collect tinned and dried food from members of the public, from charities, uh, from churches and schools in an area, um, and that food is given to people in a short-term crisis. So if someone suffered a sudden drop to their income a change to their personal circumstances such that they're suddenly unable to be able to go to the supermarket and buy food for themselves, then frontline care professionals in the community like social workers and health visitors hold emergency food vouchers for us which they can release to that individual or to that family and they bring that food voucher along to a food bank where we exchange it for three days worth of nutritionally balanced tinned and dried food that's been donated by local people in that same community. It, it sounds like a pretty good deal. So not everyone can just walk in and go, excuse me, um, I'm a little bit hungry. You, you need to be recommended by a social worker. You need to get these vouchers. Yes. I mean, if someone just walked into our food bank centre, we wouldn't know if they're in a genuine crisis or not. Yep. Um, and it's important that um, by working with frontline care professionals and people in the community who hold these emergency food vouchers, we can make sure that the cause of their crisis is being addressed um, as well as us being able to support them on a short-term basis. What we're not there to do is obviously support somebody on a long-term basis and yep. hopefully um, make people reliant on food banks. But what we are there to do is to address you know, the short-term crisis from the moment when a crisis hits somebody um, to, to that point where the statutory agencies can step in and support them on a long-term basis. When did food banks start in this country, Adrian? Well, it started in Salisbury back in uh, the year 2000. Right. Uh, that was the first food bank that started, and many people wouldn't expect a food bank to have started in a city like Salisbury. Mm. But, um, you, you know, what we're finding is there are people um, from many different backgrounds, from many different income levels, that can find themselves suddenly in a crisis uh, due to an a, unexpected event that occurs to them. So that could be somebody on a relatively uh, decent income through to people who um, are, are dependent on welfare payments for their um, income. And, and, and so there's 270 now in the space of 12 years. That's quite an explosion, isn't it? Are you, are you seeing more and more people needing food banks? 
Yeah, well, we're seeing more food banks opening, and we're seeing the clients that are visiting food banks um, increasing as well. That's due to um, lots of different reasons, really. Um, it's, it's very hard to, to, to analyse. I mean, I think the economic situation has obviously um, made it more likely that people could find themselves in a crisis, especially as food prices are rising and utility payments are rising. You know, people's disposable income is squeezed, so they're more likely to find themselves in a crisis if something happens to their income. Um, um, however, we're also seeing that um, I think people's perception of poverty in the UK and in their local communities and awareness of, of these kind of issues is r- ra- uh, rising as well. Um, so people are very interested in developing food banks in their local communities. And the Trussell Trust food bank network that sprung up around the UK offers you know, a sustainable model for communities to develop a food bank. Finally, Adrian, I've heard the argument elsewhere uh, uh, that poverty doesn't exist in this country. There's no such thing as poverty in this country. You'd disagree with that, would you? Yes, certainly. I mean, um, the people from all different income levels can find themselves in a crisis. In fact, I started um, a Wales First Food Bank in uh, South Wales back in um, 2008, and I myself was working for a bank at the time, um, and I was made redundant. And I had to wait um, six weeks for my uh, welfare payment to come through. So I have first-hand experience of, mm. um, fortunately for me, I had some savings in my bank account, which yeah. carried me through that time, but some other people are not so fortunate, um, and people sometimes don't have, you know, friends and family that are able to support them. Well, Adrian, listen, we've got to move on. Thank you very much for that. Good luck. It's Adrian Curtis from the Food Bank Network Director for the Trussell Trust. Uh, that's after another food bank is opening in Letchworth this evening. Any experience with any of those, then you give us a call. Sandy, uh, the Madeline from Sandy is on. Hello, Madeline. Hello there. What Hello. can I do for you? Well, my view on this burglar thing, actually, is yes. that, you know, I mean... The bottom line is that no matter whether you've got good security or not, these people should not be on your premises in the first place. Agreed. And they should expect the consequences. I certainly would put up a very big fight if I woke up and found somebody in my house. And I would even risk going to jail because I feel very strongly about this. But, Madeline, if you had the security measures in place, then they're less likely to break into your place. Do you not accept that if if you don't have the security measures, you're partly to blame? No, I don't. I don't, because I don't think they should be there in the first place. And I think that by making excuses for these people, I think we're taking the responsibility Mm. for themselves away from them. It's not... Sorry, I'm interrupting, just because we're running out of time. It's not an excuse, though, is it? it, And it's not taking responsibility away from... We're all responsible for our own safety and our security. And if you've got a burger alarm, double glazing, really decent lock, they're going to look at your house and go, this isn't worth it, let's go next door. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but... Actually, some people can't afford this sort of thing. And if these people can't afford it, then that's no excuse for the people to break in. Madeline, thank you very much indeed. Madeline with some strong views there. Give us a call with yours. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm very perky this morning. I, I think part of the reason was I've been awake since half past two. You know when you just, you're in bed and you've got a bit of a cold and you're bunged up and you can't breathe? I had that at half past two. And at three o'clock, I normally get up about four. Three o'clock I thought, I'm going to get up and watch Dragon's Den. So at, at, at three o'clock this morning, I was up, I was having a nice cup of coffee, some toast, watching uh, Dragon's Den. And uh, I think maybe that's the way to start every morning, because I'm, I'm feeling alive for the first time in the next half an hour. Would you feel comfortable with a female builder, electrician, 
plumber, anything like that, doing work in your house. I once had the opportunity to hire um, a company of female decorators. And through the, the, for no reason whatsoever, they were excellent, they gave an excellent quote, but part of me just thought, I'm not so sure. And I went with blokes. And I don't know why. Would you feel the same? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. If you don't have security measures in place in your home, you are partly responsible if people break into your house. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. And coming up in the next 15, 20 minutes or so, Justin Dealey is somewhere in Milton Keynes. I can't reveal where at the moment, but keep listening, and I'll tell you in a, in a few minutes. He's following up something. Should be very interesting. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Tom Jones, Stereophonics. I shouldn't like that song, but I do like that song. I shouldn't. I'm not a fan of the Stereophonics or Tom Jones. But together, they make magic. A busy show this morning. Very busy show this morning. And I forget, we've got Justice Secretary Chris Grayling coming on after 8 o'clock. Got any questions for him about... He, he, the front page of The Sun kind of says it. Batter a burglar. Tories promise change to laws. Basically, you can use disproportionate force if this new law gets pa- passed, which it will do, um, that Chris Grayling is, is going to talk about today at the Conservative Party conference. If you've got a question for him, give us a call now, 08459 455 555, and I'll put the best ones to him. But, li- ladies... I'm addressing you now. Listen up. Because a campaign is starting to get more women to take up a trade. The UK's voluntary regulatory body for the electrical contracting industry is launching an apprentice academy in the hope they will encourage and inspire more women to become electricians. They've also found that women still feel at a disadvantage in the workplace, as more than two-fifths of women say they've been treated differently to men, while a fifth say they feel men get more respect. Sarah Setterfield is a president of Women in Enterprise in Milton Keynes, and she joins us now. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Sarah, you meet many women in business. How represented are women in trade, such as electri- electricals and plumbings and things like that? Well, I suspect not as much as they would like to be. Mm. Although it's fair to say, you know, Milton Keynes does have a couple of, of vans that drive around that are very clearly uh, women plumbers and women electricians because they've taken t- take the, the opportunity to very much promote the fact that they are of the female gender. I know whenever I've called out a plumber or an electrician, and I've had to call out many of them because I can't do anything, it's, it's always blokes. It's always blokes. Yeah, I think predominantly within those trades, it, it typically has been and probably still is. Uh, and the only time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit this, Sarah, and I'm not proud of it, but it happened. Uh, about eight years ago, I was looking to get my flat decorated, and we had four companies come round and give us a quote, and one of them was uh, a women's decorator. So it was, it was a team of women, and the lady came round and gave us a quote. And she was lovely, and she had some excellent ideas, and the quote was very competitive. But there was part of me, Sarah, and I don't know why, because, hey, listen, you know, I love everybody and equal opportunities, but part of me thought... I'm not sure about a woman doing this. Is that kind of, and it is prejudice, and I'm not proud of it. Is that prejudice quite prevalent, do you think? I, uh, I think it's about attitude. Mm. It, it isn't necessarily a prejudice. It's always been a man who comes round and does your plumbing or yeah. does your electrical work or does your decorating. And therefore, oh gosh, that's a bit different. Mm. Why would you have a woman? But how many women decorate their own homes? Yeah. Oh, they can do it totally. You know, of course, of course they, can put, they can paint and put up wallpaper and do all those things, but there was just a little thing in my head, and I, I would imagine if it's happened to me, it's probably happened to a lot of other people, I just thought, 
I think I might just go with the bloke on this one. It, I, I'm guessing that the, 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 the women electricians and plumbers, they often meet this kind of attitude. Or am I being completely wrong and completely Neanderthal? No, no, I'm sure they do. And because I've spoken to your research and seasoning in preparation for this unearthly hour... Oh, well done. For, yes, I know it is ridiculous, yeah, isn't it? Yes, uh, unearthly hour <laughs> this morning. It, it, it's not something that particularly I have come across right. in, in my career. But I did have a long conversation with fellow female colleagues mm. of, uh, has there been an issue for you in the past? And we're talking about people who are um, HR directors, accountants, lawyers, uh, women who who run their own business. And I was absolutely staggered at some of the stories that they have to tell of the prejudice that's been shown to them in the past. Mm. I would say predominantly their stories that go back to the 90s. Mm. But I also asked what their opinion is as to how they want to be treated today. And what was really clear is that women are not asking for special treatment. If they are the right person for the job, then they are the person that should get the job, as opposed to, uh, we need to have our token female on the board, mm. or we don't have quite the right gender balance, we need to put more women in. And I I think the other side of the coin, of course, is that women need to be far better at promoting their own self-worth mm. and the ability to negotiate what they're worth rather than just taking what they get. But I do think we have made great strides. Uh, the fact that this is something that is being talked about and uh, actively dealt with is good. But let's not run away with the idea that we should have more women electricians just because no. we have more women electricians. If there are m more women who would like to go into that vocation, great. Do you think that the w when they, they, the women are kind of put off becoming apprentices and, and, and entering those vocations because it is... They are generally just filled with leery blokes, aren't they? Again, it's another coin of two sides. If you feel you are quite happy to be in a male-dominated environment and push for what you want and push forward for you, then go for it. Mm. If you, your attitude is that that would make you feel uncomfortable, then maybe it's not the most sensible thing to do. So we just had a text, Sarah, and I think this kind of maybe sums up the attitude of some of the people. This is from a woman. This is from Ree. My boyfriend says he'd be OK with having a woman builder in the house as long as she wolf-whistled at him, showed her her, her builder's bum, and took her top off if she got hot. Now, mm. that's not particularly helpful, is it? No, but it, it's said in a jostling manner, and we girls do like to say... You know, I'm quite happy to get a taxi as long as the driver's got rippling biceps. So I think yeah. we both now are in a world where we we do that. Hey, Sarah, listen, I'm I'm not a piece of meat. I'm a human being, all right. I've got feelings too, <laughs> for goodness' sakes. How how do women set up? Because quite often you'll find that there are companies that are just women. Is is that common in Milton Keynes? Um, no, not not right. particularly. And, and even the Women in Enterprise that I am president of is not an, a, a women-exclusive mm. uh, networking group because many years ago we sat down and recognised the value that there is of doing business with anybody, no matter what their gender is. Mm. So we've retained the name, but we are no longer just a women-only organisation. You know, business is business. It's not about your sex. It's about your ability to do what you say you can do. I think you're absolutely right. Sarah, thank you so much for getting up at this ungodly hour. Are you back to bed now, or are you, are you you're, off for the day? You're so not wrong I'm going back to <laughs> bed. I hadn't appreciated there were two sixes in 24 hours. Isn't it horrible? I know. It's not nice. It's Sarah, not nice. lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Sarah Setterfield, President of Women in Enterprise, uh, Milton Keynes. Talking a lot of sense, I think, that, you know... Uh, <laughs> 
It's equal opportunities. Not they want d- extra rights, special rights. Equal opportunities. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Later on in the programme, speaking to uh, Dragon's Den, Dragon herself, Hilary DeVay, who I think is fantastic. Uh, I love the Dragon's Den. How o- opportunistic that I watched it this morning, not knowing she was going to be on the show. There we go. So she'll be on uh, later on in the programme. Uh, we're talking about burglary. The laws are going to be toughened on what you can do to an intruder in your house. I kind of think that if you haven't got the necessary security measures in place, you're a little bit responsible. Uh, David in Luton has emailed him. Ian, you said that having good security makes it less like you'll be burgled. You are still likely, which you are, even if it is a reduced risk. Good systems do not deter thieves if they think it is worth it. The burglar in that circumstances is more likely to be violent and use weapons and enter via means that negates the security measures in the first place. I fully support a greater emphasis on home protection from the earth. It does make you less likely. Listen, you're never going to completely make your house 100% safe. Never. But it makes it less likely. They see you've got a decent lock, locks on the windows, double glazing and a burglar alarm. They're going to look at your house and go, nah, let's do number 62 instead. Aren't they? Good morning, it's 6.45. It's Tuesday the 9th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, who'll be on this show after 8 o'clock, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people who attack burglars in their home. A food bank will open in Letchworth tonight. It's one of over 200 launched by the Trussell Trust charity in the last two years. In sport, the International Cricket Council has launched an urgent investigation after India TV alleged six match officials were willing to fix games ahead of the World 2020 Cup. Your weather for beds, hearts and bucks missed or fog it will thin out to give us a cloudy day with sunny spells top temperatures 14 degrees <laughs> coming up our reporter justin dealey is somewhere top secret in milton Keynes. not been able to tell you why so far but keep listening and i'll reveal why in a few minutes bbc three counties radio oh wait four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number keep listening We'll find out where Justin Dealey is after Paloma Faith. Paloma Faith, Never Tear Us Apart. That's in excess, isn't it? That's an in excess song, I think. I like that, it's nice. Good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's exactly ten minutes to seven on a Tuesday. I know. Now, this is interesting. We've been uh, watching this from a distance. Last month, I told you about the abortion protest taking place outside abortion clinics across the country. Andy Burton organised the protest outside the British Pregnancy Advice Service Clinic in Milton Keynes. He joined me in the studio the day it started. I'm holding it in specifically in Milton Keynes because we've got a big issue with A, apathy, and B, the number of children that are dying in Milton Keynes. It, the latest figures from the um, Department of Health suggest that it's 1,018 children mm. that died in 2010. That's our latest figure. So Just, just to yeah. clarify for some people who may be confused, th- th- these are fetuses that have been aborted. Uh, these are these are unborn children that okay. are aborted. Yep. One thousand and eighteen is the latest statistic in Milton Keynes alone. Mm. And as we know, j- the whole of the UK, at six hundred abortions take place per day. Mm. There's a great problem in Milton Keynes. We've got one hundred and twenty churches surrounding that uh, abortion clinic, and the amount of 
apathy mm. is is it's tangible and i feel called by god to break the harmony that's existed for those mm. years that the clinic's been there in the center of acorn house surrounded by those 120 churches i'm calling on the body of christ surely there's mm. at least a few people in each congregation that can feel loves christ as much as i do that, to join us all that morning i also spoke to claire murphy from bpass women make the decision to end a pregnancy because it is the right thing for them and their families at th- that time in their life they don't do it because they have no conscience they do it because they think it is the right thing for them and their families at that time in their life and when they come to a, a clinic like bpass or, or access information from their their doctors or the nhs they are coming to, to get information about a very private matter and to have to walk past, you know, even if it's just a handful of people waving their banners and sometimes pushing plastic fetuses into their hands, it just makes what for some women is already a, a difficult day that much more difficult. I cannot see how it is moral for a group of people who profess to want to help women to basically stand there and make their lives more difficult. I think the majority of these people, and all the polls show this, that women do need um, the ability to make a decision about an, an unwanted pregnancy a pregnancy they can no longer carry to term that that is the marker of a compassionate society not standing outside abortion clinics haranguing women well andy told us that the protest is going to happen 24 hours a day for 40 days we sent our reporter justin Dealey to the b-pass clinic in milton Keynes for the start of the protest how many people do you think are here at this moment in time so take a guess um five no uh, two people oh. and I had to really struggle to find these people as well because okay. th- th- there's absolutely no banners no leaflets whatsoever yes I know it's early in the morning so th- there's two of them here we've got Teresa Bryan and also Bernadette Cassidy just going to have a, a very quick chat now with Bernadette how long have you been here for this morning? since half past six there will be others later here with banners so th- it will be obvious mm. why we're here ok well there we go so that was what happened at the end of that show the two protesters had gone uh, no one was there. Uh, and Andy Burton, who was due to take over, had overslept. Well, 14 days after the start of the protest, and I have sent Justin Dealey back there to find out how the protest is going. Justin? Hello, Ian. You're Good outside, morning. you're there. I'm outside, yes, outside the B-Pass Clinic here, Midsummer Boulevard in Milson Keynes. Uh, you rightly mentioned there, Ian, that when we last came here, there were two protesters here, but towards the end of that protest, there was nobody here because Andy Burton had overslept. Uh, this okay. campaign is called 40 Days for Life, so... The idea is it's 40 days back-to-back in terms of protesting. 24 hours a day. Yes, 40 days, and that's 24 hours a day as well. And where are we now? I think it's day 14? I I believe so. I'm standing outside the clinic right now, and I can tell you there is not one person here. There's no one there? Nobody here at all. Okay, because one of the things we just heard in the clip there, I don't know if you heard it, Andy Burton uh, uh, talks about apathy, Mm. and that, 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 that Christians... Uh, and not all Christians, but Christians need to rise up against this apathy that was surrounded the culture uh, of abortion. Um, and you're saying that, uh, t- what t- where are we now? Five minutes to seven. Yep. On a Tuesday morning, there is no one there. Nobody here at all. I have to say, it doesn't surprise me, because obviously, uh, the first morning of their protest, it turns out there was nobody here for quite some time. Then further protesters turned up later in the day. I don't quite know what's happened with this protest. Have they given up on this protest? I think the best thing for us to do this morning, Ian, is... Mm. Uh, Try and make contact with Andy Burson. You heard some strong views from him, him yes. saying, yes, this is 100% the right thing to do. You've heard from the clinic.
Dominic saying, we don't believe this is the right thing to do. So what I'm going to do, I will make contact with Andy Burton. Yeah. I think I'll stay here for the next hour. And we'll try and find out what's going on. Because if this is a protest for 40 days and it's 24 hours a day round the clock, well, why is there nobody here? It's a, it's a little bit embarrassing. Whatever you think about the argument for or against, it is a little bit embarrassing that, that, that two weeks into it, it, it's kind of stopped. Yeah, if you could try and track down Andy Burton, and if you get the chance, Justin, if you could maybe speak to the clinic and see if they have been affected by it in any way whatsoever. I shall certainly do that. Hopefully, when I come back to you in an hour's time, we'll have some answers, because at the moment I'm slightly confused as to why, what, a few days into this process, it's clearly not working. Justin, listen, thank you very much. Uh, that's Justin Dealey, who's outside the BPAS clinic. Uh, Andy, if you're listening, um, Justin's going to try and get in touch with you. Maybe you want to go down there and meet him and uh, explain uh, the situation with what's going on. It's a little bit embarrassing, I would say, but maybe maybe it's just a blip, and uh, we're keen to get your side of the argument. Mike Holtfield, Moonlight Shadow. Where have you been for the last hour? If you've just tuned in, it's been a cracking start to the show. Plenty more to come as well. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I'll do a little recap after seven, so stick with us for a few minutes. Plenty more to come, including if you don't protect your home, isn't it your fault if you get burgled? Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Good morning. It's three minutes past seven, or as near as we need to be, on Tuesday, the 9th of October. I'm Ian Lee. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much for listening. Plenty to talk about, and, and plenty that you can share your opinion and your stories on. So I'll give out the contact details in a second. Get a pen and paper. Pen and paper. Does anyone write anything on pen and paper these days? I don't think so. I saw someone using a pencil yesterday. I know, a pencil. It was like it was the 1980s or something. Some of the things we're talking about in the next hour. If you overreact when confronted by a burglar, you'll get more protection in the law. But if you don't protect your house, are you partly responsible if you get burgled? We'll be talking more about the anti-abortion campaign that seems to have fizzled out. And, now, have a think about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. A Bedford couple buy cannabis from a car boot. I didn't know what it was. They saw a nice plant, thought, oh, we'll have that. We'll buy that, George. We'll put that in the garden. What's the strangest thing you ever bought? From a car boot sale, a charity shop, a house rummage sale, anything like that. The strangest thing you've ever bought. No one could have anything weirder than cannabis, can they? You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we'll be talking more about um, the uh, the changes that are going to be made in the law. They're being proposed at the Conservative Party conference uh, today that if you are burgled, you can use disproportionate force, which basically means you can overreact a bit um, and you probably won't get into trouble. It's still, it's still a little bit vague, a little bit grey as to what it actually means, but it's, would it, it would seem to indicate that more rights being put on the home owner as opposed to the burglar. Now, my suggestion is, if you don't have proper security measures on your home, and by that I mean a really good lock... Because you know those, like, normal locks you can get on your house? They are so easy to pop open. I once got locked out of my house, I called a locksmith, I paid him £150, and he opened it, I'm not going to tell you how, but I know how to do it now, he opened it with a plastic water bottle. 
Yeah, I know, I know, and I can do it. If it's just that sort of Yale lock, you know, the normal lock, if it's not bolted or anything like that, you can open it with a plastic water bottle pretty much every time. It's incredible. And if I, I've been locked out since, I've done it myself. So if you haven't got a decent lock on your door, a really good lock, and it's not double locked, if you haven't got locks on your windows, if you haven't got an alarm system, I'm not saying it's completely your fault. It's partly your fault, though, isn't it? You're making it easier for them. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Ophelia is in Luton. Good morning, Ophelia. Good morning, Ian. I love the name Ophelia. Thank you. It's wonderful. What's your take on this? I don't agree with you. Oh. I believe that once a person closes their front door, yeah. that's the end of the story. It's nobody's right to come in somebody else's house to take what they have. That's not an invitation. And the thing is also that um, the thing. All right, then. To be honest, right, I was a bit silly. I didn't really lock my door because that's not how what we did at my previous house yeah you just close the door and um we got burgled and um the other silly thing was that i thought that would be the year i'd go without insurance oh <laughs> ophelia that's too sa- you're basically putting your hands up and saying you're a muppet aren't you oh, no. ophelia oh, i hold my hands up to that are you a muppet ophelia in that case i was say, say ian i was a muppet ian i was a muppet but then, you know what they did? The thing that annoyed me was that yeah. that night I slept without any clothes on. Oh, my goodness. And Sophia. I had gone to the bathroom. Oh, please, I don't want to hear anymore. Go on. <laughs> and the door, I noticed the door was a bit open. And, you know, the cheeky blighters had left the door to come back. They were on their way back. I'm laughing because I've got. I, I shouldn't be laughing because it's not and funny. I think it's that's horrific. what annoyed me most of that course. I'd have to meet somebody yeah. in my birthday suit. And that's <laughs> the invasion is more what bothered me than actually the burglary. And then they came back the following year, and this time we'd locked the door. Yeah. And did they get in when you locked the door? No, they Thank had you. a chisel and they were on picking the door. But and that night I was studying late, and I thought because I was studying late, I yeah. started to hear things. Yeah. And when we opened the door, parts of the door crumbled in our hands. Yeah. And then they came back the following year. Blimey. Again. And this time they jammed the door and yeah. by the time we had to pay for a locksmith yeah. and the police just said, you just need to change the door. And that's what we did. We've never been bothered but, again. But, but you see, Ophelia, you, you're basically, you're agreeing with me because you left the door unlocked and they got in. I could break into your house if you've got a normal, one of those little locks, that you, you know, Yale, whatever they are. Yeah. I could break into your house very easily without having to smash the door down or anything. Once you put the locks in, they couldn't come and see you in your birthday suit. No, but we, we did. After that, we put the locks and they still kept on coming they back. They tried, but they couldn't get in, could they? No, they didn't, no. Exactly. But did, can I just say, affording uh, every year, I would like to say, for a burglar alarm, it's not affordable. And some it's people live cheap. in rented accommodation, right. some people live in tower blocks. And when you think that, okay, in the cost, the time where we don't have much money, yeah. you try and do the best you can. You're right. You're absolutely right. And they are they are very expensive. And maybe there's there's something in looking into the government giving grants yeah, or, or something because that. that would be helpful. But you, you, as soon as you put a decent lock on, the threat of a burglar seeing you in the nuddy. It, <laughs> yeah, it, that threat was taken away. Yes, it was. <laughs> Ophelia, I have to ask you. Yeah. Are you in your birthday suit now? Not at all. I'm ready. I'm working at my computer to log off soon to go to work. Do you always sleep in your birthday suit? You know, it was the one-off. The one-off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. 
I can't do it. I can't do it. I need to have. I wear pajamas. I wear my jimmy jams. I need to have something on. I can't sleep naked. I remember I feel it, uncomfortable. I wasn't feeling well, and I was developing right. a temperature that right. night. Yes, yeah, so you stripped off. I did. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Ophelia, thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, apologies for anyone offended by the image of Ophelia in her birthday suit. I found it rather pleasing, but the point is, she kind of agreed with me, didn't she? That you, you once she got the locks on, they couldn't get in. Um, Helen has texted in, Ian, I'm an OAP, I can't afford alarms as I only have a pension. You're right, they're very expensive. Very expensive. Um, and another Ian in where, we're now making ourselves prisoners in our own homes while the villains run free. Longer and tougher sentences and no luxuries will be better. Yeah, longer and tougher sentences. I'm not so sure about the luxuries. Uh, but, but having bolts and locks on your windows and your doors doesn't make you a prisoner in your own home. It just makes you more secure, doesn't it? That's all it is. It makes you more secure. Well, we're talking about this, if you just tuned in, because it, it, the laws are going to be changed. If you overreact when confronted by a burglar, you will now have more protection in the law. That's what the Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, will announce later today at the Conservative Party conference. He's going to be on this show after 8 o'clock, by the way. Grossly disproportionate force will still be against the law, but the bar will be set higher than the current proportionate force test. Confused? Yeah, I am. Well, Jeremy Dean is a criminal defence lawyer. Joins me now. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. Does this really clear things up, or does it just take the confusion somewhere else? Uh, well, I have to say, at this moment in time, um, it's definitely the latter. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see precisely how the proposal is spelt out. Mm. But from what I've seen of it so far, I have to be frank and say that it reads to me both in a confusing and potentially quite dangerous manner. The front page of The Sun is batter a burglar. So that's how they've interpreted it. Well, that's, exa- that's exactly why, on the face of it, the proposal is a dangerous one. I can quite see how people might feel that, you know, on a superficial reading, that this proposal is attractive, because mm. obviously all of us are very keen that people are given maximum protection in their own homes. But, you know, if the message that is being sent out is batter a burglar, mm. then, you know, it doesn't take a second's reflection to um, see just how risky this proposal is in reality. Now, Jeremy, you've obviously not seen the full report, and that's, it's going to come out properly today in, in his speech. But, very briefly, can you just explain what the law is now? Yes, I mean, the law now is pretty clear, and it is that each of us is entitled to use reasonable force to protect ourselves and our property. And, you know, if a case comes to court, then that's exactly what the jury have to ask themselves. Did the householder use reasonable force? Um, The test that Mr Grayling seems to be proposing is a much more complicated one, which is, um, you know, uh, whether even if the householder overreacts... Mm a jury can sort of put themselves back in the position of a householder at the time and kind of try and reassess the situation. That, that's going to be a very difficult one for a jury to carry out, sort of trying to work backwards with the benefit of hindsight. The defining bit here that, that is causing the confusion for me is that they will be allowed to use disproportionate, but they can't use grossly disproportionate. Well, that well, doesn't mean I, anything, does it? <laughs> it certainly doesn't mean anything... To me, as I say, I mean, I think in fairness, we've got to wait and see how the proposal... No, no, is, is, uh, you know, spelt out today. But, you know, on the face of it, I totally agree with you. I mean, for a jury to have to grapple with proportionate, grossly disproportionate is not going to be straightforward. But I think the bottom line is, and, you know, I think you, you've sort of vividly encapsulated the problem, but, you know, people are going to wake up this morning and the people of this country are going to find that 
the government are going to sanction batter a burglar, mm. then, um, you know, we're on a very rocky road indeed. Uh, Jeremy, I've, I've been kind of putting forward the theory this morning that I genuinely believe that if you don't have the security measures in place, like alarms, they're expensive, but you can all, we can all afford decent locks and locks on windows... We're partly responsible if we get broken into, aren't we? Not to any, in any way deflect the responsibility of the burglar, but if we're not doing everything we can to protect our homes, we're a little bit responsible, aren't we? Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think most, most people do do everything possible to protect their homes. I mean, I think in fairness that, um, you know, it's very difficult to sustain an argument that the public ought to be held responsible for the acts of criminals. I mean, I, you know, I, I quite see where you're coming from, but the bottom line is there are some very unpleasant criminals roaming around. My, my own view is that the reasonable force test, which exists at the moment, is the right test, mm. because, because however much of a threat there is to property, the bottom line is that in a civilised society, violence should not be sanctioned other than in the most draconian of circumstances. And the reasonable force test, which we have at the moment, does cater for that scenario. And it does seem to me um, that the proposal that's going to be announced this morning is one which is going to give rise not just to a great deal of confusion, it's going to be very difficult for the courts to administer, and it's going to send out a message which is that, you know, we in this society sanction violence even where perhaps it's not, you know, absolutely necessary. Jeremy, lovely to talk to you. I'm sure we'll speak to you again as this story progresses. That's Jeremy Dean, who's a, a criminal defence lawyer. Well, Justice Secretary Chris Grayling will be on this show after 8 o'clock. So if you've got any questions about it, maybe you want to applaud him, give me a call. 08459 455 555. With the best questions we get, we'll put to him. Um, but I'm kind of with Jeremy there. It, 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 it doesn't make things clearer. It just moves the confusion from here and puts it over here. 7.15, Tuesday the 9th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people in England and Wales who attack burglars in their home. Chris Grayling will be on the show just after 8 o'clock. A food bank will open in Letchworth tonight to help people going through short-term financial hardship. In sport, England will train ahead of their World Cup qualifier with San Marino on Friday at the new football centre, St George's Park, which is being officially opened today near Burton-upon-Trent. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly with Steve, but coming up, an increasing number of people are becoming reliant on food banks. If that's you, give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Chris Grayling's going to be on the show after 8 o'clock um, to talk about these proposals uh, that you will uh, be allowed to use disproportionate force on burglars. I'm kind of saying, um, if you don't protect your home well enough, it's partly your fault. I'm not in any way taking away the responsibility of the scumbags that break into your home. Of course not. But if you don't have a decent lock, I c- if you've just got one of those normal little locks on your front door, I could probably break into your house with a plastic water bottle. I'm not going to say how. But I saw a locksmith do it. I paid him 150 quid for the privilege. Uh, it's easy, right? If you don't have decent lock on your door, l- double lock the door, lock the windows, have a burglar alarm, it's partly your fault, isn't it? Barbara's in Stevenage. Barbara, do you agree with me? Um, yes and no. Oh. I mean, to say, it, it, yes, you've got to have a locks which are good, you yes. know, I mean, to say. But I have a little system, um, because obviously I can't afford massive great burglar alarms. No. I mean, there is a little system. Um, you can buy them in the um, places, electronic 
little electronic shops and sometimes even in Tesco's, it's a contact alarm. Oh, yeah. What's the You stick like? one side on the door jam, one side on the door. At night, you switch it on. It's only tiny. Yeah. But when the door opens, it breaks the contact and the alarm goes off. Fantastic. And is, it, is it a big, loud alarm or is it like a little oh, tiny one? Oh, no, no, no. It's loud enough to frighten anybody up. Because we had somebody try it, try our front door and uh, they opened it, but the front the alarm went off. And of oh, course, so it worked and scared them away? Oh, yeah, because they didn't know where, how to turn it off, you see. Yeah. I mean, it's only... But see, the, it, the alarm's actually on the door. And, 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 and you can do that on windows as well. And so that's you can all you need, whole, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can have the whole thing, the whole place alarmed. And it, they're quite reasonable. Let's put it this way. You're talking about, well, I mean, it's £10 and you've got a couple of two or three alarms. Well, the, everyone could afford a tenner to make their house yeah, a bit more exactly. secure. Exactly. And it's quite, it's to say, you, I go to bed at night, I flip my switches, and I just turn, I flip the, I, occasionally I forget to turn it off when I get the milk in, so the alarm there goes off. Go. Well, Barbara, listen, thank Barbara and Stephen. She goes to bed at night, flicks her switches, and she feels safe. Everyone's happy. Phil, Philip's from Bletchley. Good morning, Philip. Morning, Ian. Philip, hey, I've been installing alarms. Well, I've been installing alarms for about 35 years now. Yeah. And no, they're not expensive. I mean, you know, I go out surveying every night where people have been broken into and they've got 16, 60 inch plasma tallies on the walls, you know, and they can't afford a burger alarm. I think what yeah, that right. lady was saying, you know, if a professional's going to attempt to get in, you've got to have a professional installed alarm system. But how There's mu- no doubt about how it. How much are they? Uh, listen, I've got a proper alarm. Uh, uh, how much okay. do they cost to install these days? If you start from about 380 plus that, yeah. that will give you a British standard system that is insurance approved, police approved, it's be a good system, it's covered for a year, parts and labour, and then you carry on the servicing after that. But it is such a difference in between, by, with all due respect to the lady before, yeah. I could get past that within seconds. You know, there's certain systems out there. You're right, you're, you're um, right, Philip. But the, but, but the, the casual burglar, the chancer, yeah. they, they, yeah. they will probably be put off by an alarm going off somewhere, won't they? The, the they will, and Pete, it's a myth now, to, uh, Ian, about, you know, alarms keep going off for no reason. I mean, I go out on call-outs at night where systems have gone off, and when you get down to the nitty-gritties, you know, and you look around the premises, someone's at the back door down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Someone's genuinely have a go. So I would say to your listeners now, there's two things. One is get the crime prevention officer out or the police liaison and let them do a site survey for you. Not recommend any companies, but give you a list of companies in the area that are approved. Philip, would because you agree? There's a lot of cowboys out there. Would you agree with me that it's if you don't get these simple safety measures, measures like a decent lock, burglar alarm, mm. you're partly responsible if someone breaks in. <laughs> I, th- I think you are nowadays, yeah. But doing front and back door, one quick thing in, what, on. when you look at your front door and you see all those locks, yeah. that is probably the least place that are going to break into. Yeah. So look around at small toilet windows, small areas where they can break into. And it's kids most of the time, I hate to say it. Philip from Bletchley, thank you very much. Excellent advice there. Put your locks on, get some locks, go out, spend a few quid, get some decent locks on your windows and your doors. Makes sense. I should just uh, point out, dear listener, that after this show at nine o'clock, the, the Three Counties Radio doesn't just stop at nine o'clock. Oh no, it gets semi-professional, but you know, it, 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 it but it's, it, it carries on as best as it can with Jonathan Vernon Smith, semi-professional. <laughs> Oh, he might be in by now as well. 
Uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith is on at nine o'clock. It's always a cracking listen. Uh, he'll have an argument of the day. I think today he'll be arguing that uh, Forty Towers isn't funny at nine o'clock. Uh, he'll have a cracking guest at ten and at eleven o'clock. It's my favourite bit of the show is the consumer hour uh, when people have small problems, big problems. Some as big as your head, and Jonathan and the team sort them out. It's always a cracking listen. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, nine o'clock, weekdays on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, you may know someone who has made use of a food bank in the three counties. Well, an increasing number of people are becoming reliant on them. In the last two years, the number has more than trebled. Tonight, another one is opening in Letchworth, making a total of 269 across the country. Food banks collect non-perishable items which they give to those in need, providing they've been referred on by agencies such as social services or citizens' advice. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, has been to the food bank in Milton Keynes and spoke to some of the people you Using it. There are lots of things for you here. There's plenty that will cover me, I think, yes. Yeah. This is your first time, isn't it? Yeah, I've never been up here, never had to really. It's just like, obviously, I was sort of unfortunate, I had my money stolen, so this is like, I'm in urgent need of food because obviously I've got no money to provide for my little girl. So, yeah, I just need stuff like this. <laughs> how, how did your money get stolen? Someone stole my bank card, unfortunately. I managed to get a replacement. Obviously, my money that was supposed to have gone in on, you know, the week that I was supposed to get paid. Unfortunately, I went to the bank and I £29 overdrawn, which I shouldn't have been. Tell me, what's your name? I'm Thomas. Thomas, and this is your first time at the food bank? Yeah, it's my first time. So what are you, yeah. you going to get today? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure. I've not seen what they've got. I think there's like bits of bread, bits of milk, just my basic essentials, which I can't afford at the minute, yeah. Wait, where are you staying or what's your situation? Um, well, I've recently moved into a shared house in Connebrook, but because of my debt, so I'm having to pay my rent and then left with no money. So I can't really afford to buy much food at the minute. What's your name? <laughs> um, it's, it's Kieran Perry. Okay, Kieran. And uh, what are you doing here? Um, basically, I'm collecting a food parcel for a family we're working with. It's a family with six six children. Because you're working for a charity, are you? I am. Yeah, it's it's actually for children I work for. So you you yourself are not uh, in desperate need, but you're no, you're... no, no. Um, obviously, the family we work for. There's six children at the moment are homeless and staying in a friend's house. So obviously, they're quite like struggling for food. So I mean, the food bank is fantastic to come and get the food and. You know, they've got four younger kids, so this type of stuff's brilliant. You know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I live in a hostel, and of course, kind of, um, I was made homeless last year. And of course, uh, I'm living by myself in a hostel, and finally to get my own place. But of course, I have tried to um, sort out my benefits now, so that's why I'm here to collect some food. So how important is the food bank to you? Uh, kind of that it actually helps like teenagers and adults to survive on food. And you have to bring a voucher along, don't you? Yeah. You just handed in a voucher there. Yeah. And where do you get the voucher uh, from? I got it from my hostel, uh, St Christopher's, Blackheath Crescent. So they hand you a voucher so that literally they can they can vouch for you here at the food bank and that yeah. you're not just anyone and you really need the food, food. Yeah. that's our reporter tony fisher there at a food bank in milton Keynes, and uh, there's a new one opening up in lechworth i uh, got some texts on uh, burglaries i keep knocking there's a phone in the studio i keep knocking off it keeps creating an irritating beeping noise uh anninson alban says if a burglar broke into my house and saw me in the nude they would never return oh Anne. 
Don't be so harsh on yourself. We're all beautiful. Some more beautiful than others, but we're all God's creations. A five-bolt lock and a big dog works for me. When someone breaks in, you are scared and not in a reasonable frame of mind. I think any new legislation is only taking this into more account than at present. You are not inviting them inside by failing to live in Fort, no- Fort Knox. If they get in, they deserve whatever they get. Well, but, but you, you've, you've said yourself you've got a big lock and a big dog. So you're taking reasonable security measures. If they broke in, it wouldn't be your fault. You're not making it easy for them. Listen, it would be nice, wouldn't it, to live in a world where we can leave all the windows open and the door open and we don't need to lock the door. But we don't, do we? And we, as householders and responsible people, just need to take that little extra effort to make our home a bit safer. Ricardo has uh, tweeted at BBC3CR, owning an alligator is cheaper. Ricardo, come on, please. I don't think you're taking this seriously enough, for goodness sakes. Uh, we'll be talking later on more about this. I, I, I genuinely think, if you haven't got a decent lock on your front door and your windows, you're kind of, you're partly to blame when the burglar breaks in, aren't you? If you've just got one of those normal locks, you know the ones where you've got the short key and you put it in and you turn it and you open it, and you haven't double locked that, I could break into your house with a plastic water bottle. It's easy. I'm not going to say how. So don't want to, it, once I tell you, you go, really? It's that easy. It's incredible. You need to have decent locks on your doors and on your windows and all of the windows. 08459 455 555. This is Ian Lee on BBC wow. Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Catherine. That news broadcast was just the right length to knit next door, make a cup of coffee and blow my nose. So thank you for that. Good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots in the next half hour, including I'm going to speak to a former burglar from Hertfordshire to find out what we can do to prevent burglars uh, choosing our homes and car boot sales. I love, I love car boot sales. I do. I love them. I, I just think they are the best thing, partly because I'm very, very nosy. OK, so I love looking at people's junk. And I love buying junk. I bought some wonderful things from car boot sales. I buy old, like, retro computer games and video game systems. So, like, BBC computers and Spectrums and Sega Saturns, all that stuff. Old records, any old tat. It's hard to find a good car boot sale these days. Because it's all on eBay and everything's on the internet now. So it's, it's hard to find a decent car boot sale. But one thing I've not found... Unlike a couple uh, from the three counties, I didn't find a massive cannabis plant, buy it, and then grow it in the back garden, not knowing what it was. I didn't do that. That happened. So just have a think. If you've been to a car boot sale or a junk shop or a charity shop, what's the best bargain you've got? And what's the weirdest thing you've seen or you've bought? 08459 455 555. I love all of that stuff. Charity shops. Oh, man. They're so good. My wife is disgusted by charity shops. She's a little bit of a snob. But I can spend hours in there, not looking at the clothes. I don't want a dead man's clothes, if I'm honest. I want to look at the record. I don't. I know, you know. Um, uh, but I want... Never buy a dead man's shoes. This is, this is another thing. We were talking about the weird sayings and, and superstitions last week. Never buy a dead man's shoes. Uh, but I love looking at the records and the books and the toys and the gadgets and all of those things. So 08459 455 555. Now, changes are afoot in the law. If you overreact when confronted by a burglar, you will have more protection in the law. That's what the Justice Secretary Chris Grayling will announce later on today at the Conservative Party conference. Grossly disproportionate force will still be against the law, but disproportionate force 
Won't be. I know, confusing, isn't it? Well, Steve Cattell is an ex-offender from Hertfordshire who now advises on offender management. Morning, Steve. Morning. Steve, I've been saying this morning, and I genuinely believe this, that if you don't take the necessary precautions to protect your house, simple stuff, decent locks, locks on the windows, locks on the door, you're partly to blame, aren't you, if you get burgled? Not really, no. No. Because most people wouldn't have an idea, actually, how to secure their home. Well, you get a decent lock. Then kick it off. Well, yeah, the thing is, if you get a couple of decent locks on the door, they're going to be less likely to burgle your home than the next door, aren't they? No, they're just going to find a different means of entry. Okay, well, how would you do it, Steve? The lock's only as as strong as the wood that it goes into. Did you know that? Most householders wouldn't realise. Well, that's obvious, yes. Well... Most then you'd have to put a, a completely different door frame in a no. different. But you, Steve, you know that if you just got one of those normal little locks on the door, that's easy to pop open with a plastic bottle. If you've got a few yeah. decent locks on there, that's gonna that's gonna give you more security. Obviously, um, it's never it's never it's never deterred me. Um, I have to say, and I'm going to be quite honest because I'm always honest. Because if you don't bring honesty, then you're not going to be able to solve the problem. Um, I think in my whole life of burglary, since I was the age of 10, yeah. I've only found one door that my size 11s actually um, stopped me from opening. So would you, have you ever kicked open a door at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yes. Really? Yes. What, what happened? Uh, the people were actually still in bed fast asleep. Yeah. I, I was absolutely astounded that the whole door came in, yeah. actually off its hinges, smashed glass and everything into the into the um, passage of the of the thing, which frightened me more. Um, and I ran away, stood there, waited. Nobody, no, nobody next door came out. It was in a block of flats on the balcony. Yeah. Um, gave myself plenty of time. Um, went in and opened the bedroom door, and two people were fast asleep in bed. Wow. Um, how, how, we'll go on to the safety tips in a minute, but I, I am fascinated, Steve. How long did your, your career as a burglar last? Um, started when I was nine, um, and it ended about 13 years ago, and I'm 55. Why, why did it end? What, what was the point you, you kind of had enough? Because... Uh, because I came, I came up against a Crown Court judge that had um, a brain inside his head. Yeah. And uh, he actually said that uh, putting you back into prison was no deterrent. He obviously knew that it, the powers that he had yeah. was very limited in the sentence he could give me. Um, I'd been given them all before and had not worked. So he actually advised that I went off and see a criminal psychologist and tried to deal with the, the acts of why I committed burglary. Isn't that interesting? For me, it worked. And what, what, can I ask, and I don't have to answer if you don't want yeah. to, but what were the reasons you were doing it? What, what, what did the psychologist find? Uh, basically, the, you know, it goes back to the core part of the problem, um, and it was a childhood thing that happened to me, and I went out there and started to punish other people. It gave me a release mm. for just like, basically, people to get all kinds of things happen at an early age, they self-harm, they, they bedwet, and they go out and take drugs, they yeah. get into uh, behavioural problems. I was one of them children. Hey, listen, Steve, Chris Grayling gets his way, the Justice Secretary. If you'd have kicked that door in, those people would have been in the right to use disproportionate force. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, I, I, I actually have, have wrote to a police officer last night, you know, that's tackling this situation, yeah. and he's asked me for, for some advice. You know, I've put some advice on my website about it. You know, what you have to remember is that we're living in, in a... 
We're living in a generation that most burglars that go out now are going out to subsidise a Class A drug addiction. Right. I've worked for 20 years with heroin and, and Class A drug addicts beside me in the car, burgling homes. Mm. I'm telling you, I, I, yes, I am an expert. I'm an expert on how and what lengths they'll go to get that drug. And my advice is that they will go to any lengths to get it. And if the householder tries to prevent these people from getting, basically from getting out of their premises, mm. they will put up one hell of a fight to get that Class A drug. Um, it's a very dangerous situation. Mm. My advice to the homeowner is just to let them go. Property and valuables is not worth more than your life or your family. No, I family. totally agree. I do, you, listen, you don't want to get into a, you don't get into a knife fight over a TV. Steve, listen, no. can you give us your, uh, your three top tips for making your home a bit more secure? Yeah, put a, uh, a burglar alarm on. Yep. Make sure that you leave something uh, that a person that goes to your door and knocks on your door can listen and hear, radio, etc. Um, always keep a light on. Um, that somebody outside can see. Um, I know this is going to be stupid, and most people would think it was absolutely, totally madness, but on my website I actually have, have put that when I go out in the summer, when it's a very hot day, I actually do leave one of my windows open, which most people would think that's crazy. Well, that's, but anyone can get in then, Steve. What's the, how does of that work? Of course they could. But if, you're, if it was 84 degrees outside and you walk past the house and all, all of the windows were shut, what would be your first thought? Yeah, there's no one in there. You're good. Oh, uh, no. You're exactly, good. Exactly that. So I leave it open with the, with the music on. Then people just would not knock. They'd, they'd go on. They'd only search for it, you know, if, if them windows were shut. When you're actually um, on a hot day, elderly people normally are out in their front garden weeding, doing their plants. You know, don't leave that door open. Yep. Somebody will, will talk to you while the other other person actually gets into your premises and burgles it. Steve, listen, thank you very much. Steve Cattell, ex-offender from Hertfordshire. He now advises on offender management. That was fascinating. I thought, I told you, I've said this before, and I broke into someone's house once for a TV show. You know that real hustle thing they do? I was on that, and we conned our way into a girl's house. I um, distracted the lady upstairs. We pretended we were from the waterboard. We were wearing fluorescent jackets. Never! trust anyone in a fluorescent jacket we pretended we were from the waterboard i took her upstairs got the taps running while the two lads from the tv show nicked her xbox her computer her laptop her ipod all of that stuff and then we scarpered it's dead easy you've got to be so careful oh eight four five nine four double five five double five thank you steve that was uh, was absolutely fascinating got a couple of texts on security ian no need to buy an alarm just paint a biscuit tin and attach it to the top of the house it will deter most chances says alf Alf's got a, a solution that he found in Wizard and Chips, I believe. And Richard and Flittick says, Crime prevention is only for the rich. If you can't afford expensive security system, it's your fault. Sounds like victim abuse to me. Crime prevention should be targeted at the offenders, but their human rights get priority over the victims. Not what I'm saying at all, Richard. Not, not what I'm saying in the slightest. You've misheard me. Uh, I'm not in any way taking the responsibility off of the offenders. Of course not. But we can do more to protect ourselves. And it is our fault slightly if we don't. Hey, some good news. We have some good news. Why the hell not? A man from St Albans is to receive an MBE today for services to charity. Reginald Law was nominated for the award by his niece, Anne Brown, who joins me on the line now. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. And how do you nominate someone for an MBE? 
Well, I, the way I did it was I went online and filled in a form. Is it that easy? And not really. Um, I, oh. I, I, make light, I make light of it. Uh, a lot of research had to right. go into it to, to make the, the form, um, uh, to maximise his chances. Okay. Uh, additionally, um, you need uh, several people, at least four, right. um, to support that application to make sure you're not just... Um, um, sending an application on behalf of a friend or, or something like that. And un- Uncle Reg, what makes him so special? What makes him so special? Well, for, right from my childhood, now I'm in my late 50s now, uh, right from my childhood I can remember him um, doing charity work. In actual fact, it totals in all 73 years of voluntary service wow. to the community. Um, various things he did, not just voluntary work, um, which uh, took a substantial amount of time, of course, all in his own time. Uh, but also, he he joined campaigns. He he. Um, we all, um, as you probably know, enjoy insurance now. What if we take a flight? Mm. If the airline goes bankrupt, we are compensated or given another flight. That's not if because I, of your uncle Reg, is it? That is because of my uncle. Is Reg. it really? Um, oh, he, fantastic! He. he uh, 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 um, I don't know how many our listeners will um, remember back to 1974 when an airline caught line, it went bankrupt mm. overnight. Uh, there was no compensation in those days. You just lost your holiday. Yeah. Standing at the airport, just lost your holiday. Um, and he campaigned for... for um, over a year, wow. probably a couple of years, to, to change. I mean, he brought about a change in the law. How does? How did he find out he was going to get an MBE? Did you get told, or did he get a letter? What, how does it work? No, I don't get told at all. Right. Uh, you send off for it, yeah. um, and because he became poorly, I did keep on at them a bit, but they wouldn't <laughs> tell me anything because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I was I was very concerned, you know, whether he was going to be well enough to receive yeah. it. Um, but um, then he received a letter, um, but nobody told me anything. Wow! <laughs> and so he got a letter saying, "Well done, you're going to get an MBA." He must have been over the moon. He, he, I don't think his feet touched the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you off to? Are you going with him? Do you go, how does it work? Do you go to Buckingham Palace? We, we uh, would, in normal circumstances, go to Buckingham Palace. But um, Reg hasn't been very well. Right. Uh, he's, he's well enough, though, to go out the house with assistance. But we felt going through rush hour London early in the morning yes. perhaps wasn't... wasn't uh, <laughs> it's it's not nice for anyone, no. No, exactly. Um, not even to meet the Queen. No, no. <laughs> which would be lovely. But uh, so we're, he's receiving it... Uh, at the Hart, Hart, um, sorry, Hartford County Hall. Wonderful. And, and you're going to go along with him, I I'm going along with him. And yes. have a fantastic day. Thank you. Lots of love to Uncle Reg. And, and, and enjoy much. the moment. It's going to be wonderful. It, it's going to be a wonderful day. I'm thoroughly looking forward to oh, it. I can hear it. I, could I just say as well, support of other people... Um, a try if you know an, uh, somebody who's tirelessly worked, especially for nothing. Try sending in an application; yeah. it can't do any harm, can it? And thank you. For, well, you can hear the joy in her voice. Isn't it nice to to be part of something so special? Anne Brown, who's nominated her uncle Reginald Law, and she's right. If there's someone who you think deserves an MBE, nominate them. And you spell Ian I A I N. Let's put a big smile on my face talking to Anne about her uncle Reg. I love that. It's 7.47. These are your headlines on Tuesday the 9th of October on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people in England and Wales who attack burglars in their home. 
A food bank will open in Letchworth tonight to help people going through short-term financial hardship. In sport, the International Cricket Council has launched an urgent investigation into match-fixing allegations made by a broadcaster, Indian TV. Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Mist or fog will thin out to give us a cloudy day with sunny spells. Top temperature is 14 degrees. Coming up, we'll talk more about weird and wonderful things at car boot sales. And that's because an elderly couple from Bedford, Bedford have unwittingly grown the biggest cannabis plant police officers have ever seen. What's the best thing you've ever got from a car boot sale or a charity shop? 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, last month, you may remember, I told you about the abortion protest that was going to be taking place outside abortion clinics all across the country, all across the world. In fact, well, Andy Burton organised the demonstration outside the British Pregnancy Advisory Service Clinic in Milton Keynes. It was meant to be 24 hours a day for 40 days. He joined me in the studio the day it started. I'm holding it in specifically in Milton Keynes because we've got a big issue with A, apathy, and B, the number of children that are dying in Milton Keynes. It, the latest figures from the um, Department of Health suggest that it's 1,018 children mm. that died in 2010. That's our latest figure. So Just, just to clarify yeah. for some people who may be confused, th- 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 these are foetuses that have been aborted. Uh, these are these are unborn children that okay. are aborted. Yep. One thousand and eighteen is the latest statistic in Milton Keynes alone. And as we know, j- the whole of the UK, it's six hundred abortions take place per day. Mm. There's a great problem in Milton Keynes. We've got 120 churches surrounding that uh, abortion clinic, and the amount of apathy mm. is, is, is it's tangible, and I feel called by God to break the harmony that's existed for those mm. years that the clinic's been there in the centre of Acorn House, surrounded by those 120 churches, and I'm calling on the body of Christ. Surely there's mm. at least a few people in each congregation that can feel, loves Christ as much as I do, that, to join us. I also spoke uh, that morning to Claire Murphy from BPAS. Women make the decision to end a pregnancy because it is the right thing for them and their families at that time in their life. They don't do it because they have no conscience. They do it because they think it is the right thing for them and their families at that time in their life. And when they come to a a clinic like BPAS or or access information from their their doctors or the NHS, they are coming to, to get information about a very private matter and to have to walk past, you know, even if it's just a handful of people waving their banners and sometimes pushing plastic fetuses into their hands it just makes what for some women is already a a difficult day that much more difficult i cannot see how it is moral for a group of people who profess to want to help women to basically stand there and make their lives more difficult i think the majority of these people and all the polls show this that women do need um the ability to make a decision about an, an unwanted pregnancy or pregnancy they can no longer carry to term that that is the marker of a compassionate society, not standing outside abortion clinics haranguing women. Well, don't forget, the protest was meant to be 24 hours a day for 40 days and nights. Uh, earlier on, I sent uh, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey back to Milton Keynes, to the clinic, to see if anyone was still there, 14 days into the protest. No one was there. Well, Justin's still there. Justin, has anything happened since we last spoke about an hour ago? No, absolutely nothing right. whatsoever. I'm standing outside the clinic right now. That There's nobody here. As you mentioned, uh, this process, uh, 40 days for life, is, is 40 days and 24 hours a day. Now, I have spoken to Andy Burson. You played a clip there of Andy. Yep. Andy sadly can't join us live on the programme today because he's on a train. So, we had a conversation. I just want to relay some of the things which happened in that conversation. He said to me that, that last 
last night there were 20 people here. Right. He said, well, I wish you'd let me know that you were coming this morning because I could have lined a few people up well, for you. Well, yeah, of I course. Said, well, well, Andy, the whole point of us coming this morning unannounced was to, to see what was happening because when we had the initial <laughs> conversation with you, we weren't sure that you could sustain this for 40 days, 24 hours a day. He said to me that he's not embarrassed by this and to quote him, he said, God calls for us to be faithful and not successful. Well, he then went on to say that this has been a great success so far. It's been an incredible success, and because of that, he is now planning on doing this process for 40 days, 24 hours a a day, twice a year, every single year. He has just told me that on the phone. So, according to him, it has been a success, and uh, apparently there are now people on the way who will be talking to us live before nine o'clock. Well, got, listen, of course there are people on the way, Justin, mm. because we, we've caught him out and we've embarrassed him. It's, if it's 24 hours a day and there's no one there, that's ridiculous. Did He said there were 20 people there last night. He said there was 20 people here last Do night. Do we have he any says, evidence of that from anyone else? Well, he said to me, if you don't believe me, you can look on our Facebook page, and uh, mm. we will give out the details of that later on. What he did say to me last night was they were outside here and uh, they were singing prayers last night they were very very loud he said and the ladies who were inside the clinic and again to to use his words they didn't come out of the side door because uh, this particular building acorn house on yeah. midsummer boulevard in milson Keynes, uh, it's a huge building and there's lots of businesses inside this building but the abortion clinic is on the side so it has a side door now because there were so many protesters here last night uh, the ladies using that clinic here in Milson Keynes did not use the side door and come face to face with the protesters according to Andy Burson who is leading this campaign he said to me they left through the main door which is around 40 yards away from where the protesters were we were told they weren't going to be harassing people Mm. make of that what you want uh, you know, listen, w- whether you agree with abortion or not, everyone's got an argument for Absolutely. or against. I, I do disapprove of um, putting people who are already in an emotionally unbalanced state, putting them through some kind of humiliation like that. It doesn't sound... It will be interesting. I don't know if you've been able to speak to anyone from the clinic, Justin, to see what their, their side of the story well, is. Well, hopefully we have got a statement coming. I spoke okay. to somebody late yesterday afternoon, and the manager here of this clinic, who spoke to us on the opening day of the protest, doesn't wish to comment this morning. That's okay. fair enough. Enough, but uh, hopefully we have got a statement from them to come before nine o'clock. But as I say, at this moment in time, anybody who will be using this clinic later mm. on, uh, there is nobody here. And this was meant to be 40 days, 24 hours a day. And on the first morning, of course, Andy Burton, the campaign leader, he overslept. So from 10 to 9 that morning, yeah. there was nobody here for a good hour or so. Justin, very quickly, last question. Did, did Andy say if there had been any other kind of uh, uh, vacant spots when people hadn't turned up? Well, he said to me he wasn't quite sure. And right. again, he, he was just being honest about that he said look we, we, we've tried to plan this we've tried to plan this round the clock for 40 days but obviously some people okay. for whatever reason they are volunteers they couldn't make it but again to quote him this has been a success it's been so successful that he's now planning on doing this protest twice a year every single year justin thank you very much we'll speak to you a little bit later on in the show and see what happens if um any views on that, you can give us a call. Of course you can. 08459 455 555. Uh, if you support the protest, if you're against the protest, um, 08459 455 555. Now, we do flip and flop on this show, and it's one of the joys of doing it. So think back to the last time you went to a car boot sale, OK? You might have bought some clothes, some little knick-knacks, some ornaments, toys. Have you ever picked up anything unusual? Well, 
an elderly couple from Bedford have unwittingly grown the biggest cannabis plant in the world. Well, no, that's a slight exaggeration. But the biggest cannabis plant police officers had seen after buying what they thought was a nice little shrub from a car boot sale. They planted the drug in their garden, um, and it grew. They're not being prosecuted. Uh, and I've been asking this morning, what are the weird and wonderful things that you have found at a car boot sale? Well, uh, Stuart Ratte is from Stondonbury. Uh, reuse boot. They sell household goods and junk all over Bedfordshire. Morning, Stuart. Morning. What's reuse boot, and why is it not a car boot sale? Well, we actively discourage the sale of new goods. Excellent. Market traders. So yep. we're like a retro car boot. Old, old, old. It's one of the reasons I kind of stopped going to car boots, because you'd go there, and it would just be like a market. I want, I want people's junk from their shed and from their attic and, you know, from, from under the stairs to, well, uh, on display. Well, Ian, to encourage them, to my, to my sight, it's only £5 for a family car with all old stuff on board. Beautiful. I did, a, I did a car boot sale years ago once, and it was the most exciting thing, seeing stuff that I would otherwise have thrown away. People were giving me money for it. It was incredible. Yeah, well, they love it. Once, once people have been to me, they generally keep, just keep returning. What's the weirdest thing you've sold, Stuart? Um, weirdest thing? Oldest thing? I can give you an oldest thing. Um, someone local in Stondon, they bought um, a grandfather clock face that had been made in Oldham in 1730, hand-painted. Blimey. How much did that go for? I don't know. I don't, I don't, don't think he retired out of it. So it was certainly the oldest thing. You run the car boot. That's right. I, I, the, the, the problem I have with car boots, Stuart, is every time I go, I've not been to one for a while, but every time I go, I, ca- I come away with so much stuff. Do you, how do you stop yourself buying stuff? Uh, well, I've been going to them for so long, I've obviously developed those disciplines. Right, OK, you've got the, d- the defence mechanism in. In fact, part of the defence mechanism is that whilst I'm running it, I can't be buying. Ah, uh, I see what you've done there. Very clever. Uh, what's this about crutches? Well, a strange thing, it's happened three times out of nine seasons, yep. we've had crutches left behind at the end of the day. Wow. So people have arrived without the ability to walk and... I mean, this is like a biblical story. Yeah. They then gain the ability to walk when they've been to Stondonbury. Stuart, you've, you've healed them. This is better than Lord's. Well, they do. I have been referred to as Stuart of Stondonbury. <laughs> and, and, and what an honour uh, that is. Is it every week, your car boot? No, we, we run 14 events from, from Easter. So we'll be opening um, the end of March, beginning of April, and we run 14 Sundays. OK. And, and where, if you were to buy stuff, what kind of stuff do you keep an eye out for, Stuart? Oh, probably stuff to do with me farm. There we go, farming stuff. I love a car boot sale. Thank you, Stuart, uh, from Stondery Reuse Boot. I buy old computer games for me, BBCs, Commodores, Spectrums, all that stuff. I love it. Do love a good car boot. What's the weirdest thing you've bought? Uh, Plenty more to come in the last hour of the show. I will tell you more after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight, Tuesday the 9th of October. Another hour of this nonsense. I can only apologise. Don't worry, Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at nine o'clock. Coming up, the burglary law hmm, is to change. If you don't secure your home, isn't it your fault if you get burgled? 08459 455 555. Justice Secretary Chris Grayling joins me next. And there's a new food bank opening in Letchworth. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Maybe we'll speak to you after this. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
You'll get more protection from the law if you overreact when confronted by burglars. Grossly disproportionate force will still be against the law, but the bar will be set higher and disproportionate force will be okay. Justice Secretary Chris Grayling will tell the Conservative Party conference all community sentences should also have a punitive element, but he will insist it, he is committed to the rehabilitation of offenders. He joins me on the line now. Good morning, Mr Grayling. Hello there. We can batter a burglar, can we? Well, what I'm saying is this. If you are confronted by a burglar in your home uh, and you've, you, know, you fear for your safety or fear for the safety of your family, if in the heat of mom- the moment you react in a way, you use a level of force that in the cold light of day might seem over the top, the law will be on your side now because it's not the cold light of day. This is the heat mm. of the moment. It's an unbelievably stressful situation. And only if you use a level of force that is grossly disproportionate will the law not be on your side. We spoke to a, a, a lawyer earlier on who said that it, what was already a grey area, you're just moving the greyness away. The proportionate force, that doesn't really mean a lot. And disproportionate force doesn't mean a lot. Well, well, could, could I, the example that you, I think your team used was we could whack them over the head with a frying pan. Is that OK? Well, what, what, what you can't do is if the burglar is out cold on the kitchen floor and you then stick a knife in them, I would judge that to be grossly disproportionate. Okay. If, if they're if not out, out cold... If you grab a weapon, you defend yourself, you attack the burglar, the law should be on your side. You can stab a burglar? If you are in fear of your own safety, then you can lash out in defence against a burglar and the, the law should be on your side. I regard you in that situation as a victim of crime, okay. not a perpetrator of crime. So I could stab a burglar? Well, I mean, I'm not going to kind of do a, do a weapons choice, but if you grab whatever is to yes, hand and you lash out in defence of yourself, then the law should be on your side. Indeed, the, the Lord Chief Justice, who's been very helpful over this as well, I have to say, um, said last week in the case of the, uh, the couple who, who shot a burglar into mm. their home, said basically a burglar who breaks into someone's house should expect something to happen to them. In that case, should expect to be shot. So whatever the weapon you have to hand is, is as long as you don't act in a way that is grossly disproportionate, the law should be on your side. But then how do you um, differentiate after the case? Someone is, is burgling my house, I stab them in the back three or four times. Is that disproportionate? Can you see there is kind of a greyness around it, isn't there? Well, the greyness at the moment is that the law says you're only allowed to use, use reasonable force. So great debate about if you grab the firing prime pan and hit them, are you using reasonable force or not? What I'm doing is I'm raising the bar. What I'm saying is that uh, you know, when the police, when the prosecuting authorities look at a case, they should be much more reluctant to act. I'd like to see people in that situation treated as witnesses in their own homes, mm. not arrested and put in, in police cells, um, and only if they've acted in a way that's grossly disproportionate that all of us would you know, readily say is completely over the top, should the law be moving in and dealing with them. Mr Grayling, this is going to create a nightmare for judges, isn't it? Well, I don't think it does. I think the law is much more uncertain at the moment. I think what this does is it raises the bar. It sends a very clear message to householders, to the police, to the prosecuting authorities, that we want the law to be on the side of the householder. And by raising the bar to say, only if you act in a way that is grossly disproportionate, is way over the top, um, will the, uh, you be in danger of prosecution. At the moment, the bar is much lower, and there's much more uncertainty. Does this put homeowners in danger? When you, we got headlines on like the, the front page of the Sun, batter a burglar. Surely the best thing to do, if there's someone in your house, lock yourself in the bedroom and call the police. Well, uh, you should always, in a situation where there's somebody in your house, look after your own safety first and foremost. Of course you should. But I actually hope this is a message to burglars to say, you know, you shouldn't expect to be able to break into someone's house uh, and, you know, face no consequences yourself. My concern, Mr Grayling, is that these burglars might see this and think, well, hang on a second, we weren't carrying weapons before, maybe we should get tooled up. Is that not a, a possibility that it's going to encourage the criminal element to use more weapons? I don't think, I don't look at it that way. I think this is all about saying to the householder, if you have doubt, 
doubts about what you're allowed to do to defend yourself, you should not have doubts from now. The law is going to be on your side. Final question. If a burglar is leaving the house now, you're not allowed to attack them. Will that change? Well, it depends on the individual circumstance, but, but basically the, the, the law as I want it to be is that if you are confronted by an intruder in your home uh, and you have fear for your own safety, then if you lash out in self-defence, you should be pretty clear that the law is on your side. Mr Grayling, thanks very much for your time. You're welcome. There we go. It's Chris Grayling there, Justice Secretary, uh, who's going to tell the Conservative Party conference later on today. That was quite exciting. Uh, has it clarified anything for you, though? I still don't quite know what disproportionate force means. And uh, I, I, I was slightly concerned that, yes, we can go around stabbing burglars. And I know there's the argument if they break into your house, then, uh, you know, it's, it, it, anything goes. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. 08459 455 555. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who's on after 9 o'clock, will be um, talking more about burglars. He'll, he'll be in in about 10, 15 minutes to let us know uh, what's going on. But we sent our reporter, Justin Dealey, out. I like the way I sent him out. Like, I've got any say. He does what he wants. He's a free spirit. Uh, but he's been out asking how you protect your home. So, Margaret, first of all, tell us about the security measures that you've got in place at your home. Well, we've got window locks, obviously, uh, security locks on the front door and on the back door, so then all double glazings. And um, we've got uh, uh, security locks on the back doors as well. So, well, yeah. lots going on. You clearly feel very yeah. secure then, don't you? Yes. Yes, we do, yeah. But we're, we're in a fortunate position. That was all fitted when we bought the property. If you didn't have those measures in place and you were broken into, would you only have yourself to blame? Depends on your circumstances. If I couldn't afford to do those sort of things, then no, why would I blame myself? Because, you know, it's, it's the monetary value of putting all those things in place. They're quite expensive, yeah, actually. Absolutely. You know, so I was fortunate. Mine's all fitted in. If you haven't got that money and if you're an older person, they haven't always got that, that sort of money to put on putting property locks and that into place. And let's not forget that burglar shouldn't be there the first place well exactly yeah so you know it's my property i protect it how i can if somebody deems to come into my property uh, and i've not got the appropriate they shouldn't be there in the first place anyway that's sir you were broken into i was when did this happen about 18 months ago and they got through the cat flap they did yeah yeah someone they reckon when the police came that um a child had been put through the cat flap and i was stupidly left the key in the door so they let themselves in but the child actually came they pinned the cat flap out came through the cat flap See, that is incredible. Now, back then, did you have lots of security measures in place? Not really. Not really, if I'm honest, no. Have you changed now? I have. Yeah, definitely. Because we're talking this morning about this. If your home is broken into and you didn't have security, we're talking of double glazing, locks, are you partly to blame for that? I think I probably wasn't very conscious. I should have had better security at my home, yeah. But I have now. So it's taken a burglary for you to make that Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, afraid so. How big is that man's cat? I've got a cat flap. You couldn't fit. You couldn't even fit a baby through our cat flap. How big is his cat flap? And imagine the size of his cat. The, 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 the cat flap's big enough a small child could get through. I find that incredible. Uh, Ellie has emailed him. The ex-burglar Dom Littlewood. Is he an ex-burglar? I didn't know that. He looks the sort, to be honest. I didn't. I like Dom, I think he's good. Uh, the ex-burglar, Dom Littlewood, on that show, Beat the Burglar, said that dogs and alarms are the best deterrent. Burglars are opportunists and cowards, according to Dom, so they run away when confronted with these. We've got both, and I once heard people outside our house saying, that house is a dog and an alarm. That one's got a dog. That, they watch houses, so get safe. They do. There are simple things you can do to make your house safer. 
okay? If you've got, like, trees covering the entrance, the fr- cut them down so that the, the front door can be seen from the street. Decent locks on your front door. It's obvious. Locks on the windows. Honestly, I could pop open your front door if it's just got a crummy little lock with a plastic water bottle. It's so easy to do. Got locked out of my house once, paid 150 quid for a locksmith to come round, and I, he, he wasn't keen on me seeing what he did, but I, out of the corner of my eye, I watched him. Plastic water bottle. Get some decent locks, bolts. It's all you need. If you get burgled <clears throat> and you haven't taken these security measures, it's partly your fault. 08459 455 555. Pat's in Luton. Good morning, Pat. Hi, how you doing? All right? I'm all right, thank you. Have you been burgled? I have been, yeah, twice. Go on, what? Twice? Yeah, well, the first time uh, was like what you said. Like, I had a, on your uh, aluminium door. Yeah. Like, the, the, uh, when you lock it up once and you think it's locked from the inside, it wasn't locked. Right. So they can sort of like get in and nudge through the door, and I fell for that one. Yeah. Second time it happened, you know, I called the police that time, man, and, uh, well, not a lot happened. Although there was a CCTV from a shop over the road that showed all the evidence, but the police did bother looking into that. Right. And uh, it happened again, like, about, like, eight months after that, and I caught a guy downstairs in the kitchen, and I wrapped the hammer around his head and gave him a beating in the house with a hammer, chased him out of the street, up the road, and uh, he never come back. He was lucky to get away. I was sort of stopped halfway up the road because my daughter was screaming. How old was your daughter, Pat? Well, at the time, about seven. Terrifying. But you... you Now, listen, the law now... You, if, if you chase him up the street with trying to wrap a hammer uh, around uh, his head, that, yeah, you, that's uh, against the, the, the law. law in, in no way whatsoever would determine me whatsoever. If a guy breaks into my house and he's looking at putting me or my family or anyone at risk, it, once he's through that door, that's his problem. So whether he gets a hammer around his head, a carving knife in him or whatever, that's his own fault. I never asked him to come in there. He's done that on his own opinion. It's up to him. So that's the way it goes at the end of the day. You're not, if you're there and you do catch a guy, you're not going to sit there and worry about, oh, I don't want to, I've only allowed to use 80% force or this, that and the other, worried about how, we, you know, you don't want to hurt him. You're going to worry about, well, it doesn't happen on spur of the moment, it's all quick, it just happens. If you've got a tool there and you're going to use it, you're going to use it, ain't you? Pat and Luton, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you very much. There we go. 08459 555. You're very honest when you call this show. I do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Sophie. It's 8.15, it's Tuesday the 9th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people in England and Wales who attack burglars in their home. The A1M is set for £12 million worth of improvements. Half will be spent on the Bedfordshire's Black Cat roundabout. The other half will be spent on a section of the road near Wellham. In sport, England's new national football... Could you stop picking bits of fluff off your jumper, please? (laughs) Try to do the headlines and then you're just taking fluff off. People are listening to the sport. Come on, quiet. England's new national football centre in Staffordshire will be officially opened by the Duke and Duchess. Stop it! Oh, for goodness sakes. After 8.30, we'll speak to Hilary DeVay from Dragon's Den. BBC Three Counties Radio. (laughs) 
Jonathan Vernon Smith. He's like he's like the sort of um, he's like the head boy at school, but the naughty head boy. <laughs> and so all the teachers think, oh, Jonathan Vernon Smith, he's so perfect. But all the pupils are going, no, no, look what he's doing now. <laughs> look at him now. He's filthy, Miss. He's filthy. <laughs> and you are filthy. Your chair's very low down this morning. I know what's happening to me. I set it so that they would get the status right. All right, my chair has been raised. You're elevate. You don't need to because you're very long. Very long. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith, how are yes. you today? Uh, I'm fine. Did you see? I sent you the uh, sent you an email about us going clay pigeon shooting. Yes, I'm going to look at my diary and get. So maybe one afternoon next week we're going to go clay pigeon we're shooting. Go clay pigeon shooting. Watch out! And we've now got nicknames. I'm Margaret, and you're Julia. <laughs> After I got you, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry to Jonathan's um, adequate show yesterday, uh. and I. <laughs> I did say I did say uh, earlier on that the, the, the three counties doesn't stop at nine. It just gets semi-professional. How rude! <laughs> How rude! But yesterday I threw to you and I called you Justin, and I think it's because and I can twice, t- twice, yes, okay. I think it's because I've got a man crush on Justin Dealey. Have you? I want to be him. He's so cool. He's very cool. He's so cool. He uh, he he wears similar tops to the one you had on yesterday. The blouses. Yes. He does. In fact, you know we went for those uh, three counties drinks a couple of weeks ago. The ones I weren't invited wasn't invited to. Yes, yes. I remember. When he came out of the uh, of the bar mm. I-, I was with him and there was a man who said uh, he said is it fancy dress or, <laughs> <laughs> or have you got a woman's top on <laughs> He does he does show so much chest hair yeah and I'm I wish I could have the courage to do that yeah oh I love him uh, I'm going to move on swiftly. I'm feeling rather uncomfortable. I did say sorry to drop after a report last week that he did. He did, did this report and it was lovely. I went, thanks, Justin. Lots of love. <laughs> weird. <laughs> I know, weird. People are going to talk. They are. What's on your show this morning? And hopefully people will talk then. Oh, oh look at you. Thank you. Coming Working up on the big phone in, should you be allowed to kill a burglar who breaks into your home? Uh, I was listening with great interest to your interview with Chris Grayling. Yes, the Justice earlier. Secretary, yes. The one thing he didn't see when you asked him the question several times, yes. he didn't say, yes, you can kill a burglar yeah. absolutely every single time. Mm. Well, should you be allowed to? It's an inter- interesting question. Uh, the reason I'm asking this is because there are lots of people who have the, the view that if somebody breaks into your property, yes. comes into your house that you've worked hard for mm. to come and steal your things that you have worked your socks off for, then why on earth do they deserve any rights at all? And actually, the, uh, the, the Conservatives are talking about you, you won't be able to use grossly disproportionate force. Well, should you be allowed to use grossly disproportionate force? If someone breaks into your home, do they deserve everything they get? But, you, but, but they are changing it to disproportionate force, so you can use disproportionate force. That seems... Yes, but not grossly, not grossly. disproportionate. And I think that's where the confusion may lay. Well, I'm asking, should we just make it black and white? Should you be allowed to kill a burglar who breaks into your home? 0845. Five nine four double five five double five. I want your views. No messing around on the big phone in at nine. I want to hear what you have to say. I, lo- I love Why it. Why are you laughing? Because I love it when you get a cob on, and you've got a cob on now, and I, th- and I it's great. Because sometimes your questions are a little bit they're, they're light and fuzzy. They're light and, fuss- and fuzzy. Light and fuzzy. Yes, I'm being careful. But that is, it, you, there's no messing around with that question. No. Straight in. Should there. you be able to get a golf club? out of your wardrobe and club them to death. I'm going shooting with you next week. Yeah, watch out. Jonathan Vernon-Smith on at nine o'clock. Thank you, Jonathan. See you later on. Thank you. I should be listening. I, I do like... I, listen, Jonathan's show is always cracking, listen. But when he's got a cob on, when he's, he's, when he's feisty... You can tell he's feisty today. When he's feisty, it's an extra special show. Always worth listening to. Jonathan Vernon-Smith at nine o'clock this morning, as soon as this show finishes. Watch.
Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. I've got it. He's on at nine o'clock and it's, it's going to be a cracking show. Now, you may know someone who has made use of a food bank in the three counties. An increasing number of people are becoming reliant on them. In the last two years, the number has more than trebled. Tonight, another is opening in Letchworth, making a total of 269 across the country. Well, Frank Nuttall is one of the trustees of the Letchworth Food Bank. He joins me now. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. For those people who don't know, and I, I was unsure until yesterday, very briefly, what exactly is a food bank and who uses it? Well, a food bank is uh, it's a crisis facility, and it's for people who find themselves um, literally without anything. So they have no money, they've no means uh, of access to uh, anything through family and friends, and they're literally down to uh, the position where they cannot feed the, themselves and their family. Um, so a food bank is there for someone in that uh, uh, position. Is there uh, really a need for one in, in Leafy Letchworth? Well, it, um, we think there is. Um, we we uh, have found a, a good amount of anecdotal evidence for this. And, um, and in fact, uh, the uh, food bank, which was established under the auspices of the Trussell Trust, mm. uh, the Trussell Trust itself was established in uh, Salisbury, which, again, is not a place you would associate with some a place needing a food bank. Mm. Um, but it's uh, an incredibly busy food bank in Salisbury, and indeed there's many food banks around the country that are very busy and very much in demand. Uh, we know that there's, there's, there's one gentleman in particular who needs your help, and he's been seeking advice from Stevenage uh, Citizens Advice Bureau. What can you tell us about him? Uh, well, it's not a case I know the details of in terms of the individual, but um, uh, the actual case, um, it, it really points out um, why the need is there. The, the government uh, policies at the moment that are uh, looking at benefits and uh, the changes, making changes to benefits uh, to drive down the, the state burden uh, of benefits, I guess, mm. um, it's, it's a very uh, blunt instrument, and unfortunately people get caught up in that. And in this particular case, this individual who is not well, hasn't been well for some time, uh, his health history has been well documented um, by his, his own GP. Uh, he's found himself on three occasions having his benefits withdrawn um, and the, the uh, Stevenage uh, Citizens Advice Bureau have appealed on his behalf and had him reinstated on two occasions. But in the latest occasion, uh, which is now, uh, he's in a situation where he's having to appeal. The appeal is going to take at least four weeks to be heard um, and there's no guarantee of a, a positive outcome at this stage. Um, but he has nothing. He has no food. He can't even top up his phone. He's walking to the Citizens Advice Bureau every day uh, asking if there's been any progress. Um, so he's in a very desperate uh, position. Um, and it's for those kind of people that need this kind of crisis support. Alan, you said something very interesting there, uh, that, that he can't afford food. And I, I find it incredible that in 2012 there are people in this country who can't afford food. And that's, that's obviously disgusting. You also mentioned top up his phone. That's, that's not one of the priorities, though, is it? Being able to top well, up a phone? That's a luxury, I would have thought. Well, it's the only phone he has. Right. In terms of communicating with the social services uh, to chase his appeal, this sort of thing, he, he can't do that. So, um, you know, he's got, he's got nothing. You know, the, the important thing to appreciate, he has no cash whatsoever. Yeah. What's the kind of um, food that you're giving away? How, where do you get it from and, and what kind of stuff is it? Uh, well, it's, uh, non it's all non-perishable uh, goods, and we find most of it comes through donations from uh, church groups and schools and, um, you know, good people in society, but mm. also we make appeals to the main supermarket chains, and we made a, 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 an appeal uh, with the help of Sainsbury's in Letchworth, and we, we managed to gather in something like three-quarters of a tonne of food from that appeal. Um, so, um, as I say, and we, we make up food parcels, again, under the guise of the Trussell Trust, that um, will feed a family for three days and we will give them a, a, a balanced diet. But as I say, it's all non-perishable items, sort of things like rice and pasta, tea mm. bags, you know, this sort of thing. Pe food. People can't just turn up, can they? They need to be... They, they no, they have to be referred. Right. Um, and, uh, and the important thing to stress as well, it is a crisis um, facility, so it's not meant to be 
uh, a long-term support for an individual. Yeah. The idea is that they can have a maximum of three parcels, um, and in, it, during that period of time, they are directed to uh, the, the support agencies out there that will provide a, a long-term solution to their need. Um, so, and as you say, they have to be referred. So the referral agencies will be people like the Systems and Advice Bureau, social services, uh, schools, churches, and so on. And have you got any idea of the numbers of, of clients you're expecting to use this facility? Well, the, uh, the anecdotal evidence at this stage from uh, the uh, referral agencies that we've spoken to would indicate that there's going to be quite a demand out there. Uh, they were all pressing us to get the vouchers out, mm. um, and we're launching tonight. Um, the, the experience of other food banks has been that it tends to start slow and gathers a momentum. Um, uh, and we, we sort of hope that'll be the case, because obviously it's new to us, and we need to sort of get time and experience uh, to well to operate well mm. um having said that uh, we are also prepared for the fact that uh, it might be contrary to that and that we might have a, a heavy demand but uh, we shall see frank listen good luck best of luck with it that's frank nuttall one of the trustees of the letchworth food bank i find it amazing in 2012 in this country that people can't afford food that's terrible isn't it i'm shocked genuinely shocked by that awful frank nuttall there um, we're t- talking about this story It's on the front page of a lot of the papers. Batter a burglar, says the Sun. Tories promise to change the laws. Um, you, you can use disproportionate force, or you will be able to, on, on burglars. I kind of think, if you haven't got some s- basic security measures in place, locks, decent locks on the doors and the windows, an alarm, it's partly your fault, isn't it, if you get broken <laughs> into? Alan from Bletchley's on the line. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Ian. What's your take on this, sir? Well, f- firstly, how can it possibly be your fault if you've no appropriate locks or, or, or whatever? You're making it easier for them. It's not, I'm not saying it's completely your fault, and not in any way detracting from the responsibility of the criminal, <laughs> but it's partly your fault if you're not prepared to put in basic security no, measures in your home. Of course it isn't. Of course I'm not partially responsible f- for someone who wants to break into my house, regardless of what, three o'clock in the morning, to steal my things, terrorise my children, and if I do put up any resistance, I wouldn't have no qualms about beating me to death either. No, I don't agree. You know, I, I don't see why, for some reason, we should give the criminals any leeway whatsoever. But you understand, but uh, Alan, we live in a society where where, where crime is is on the increase, if we believe the statistics. Surely it's up to us to make our homes as secure as we can for ourselves and our family. Right, well, I'll just give you an example, um, Ian. You know you can buy these composite doors, which which are very heavy, and they have safety locks. Yeah. Do you know that all a burglar has to do is simply get a blowtorch and oh, burn a hole through it and Alan, break in? You're not going to get a burglar at three o'clock in the morning with a blowtorch. What they're going to no, do is they're going to see... Let me say this, Ian. They're going to see that door. Ian, yes. that's what they've been doing. Now, OK, so Where? what I'm saying is a burglar will circumvent any means possible if he but, can get into your house. But you need to make it as difficult. Well, they see a door <laughs> like that. A burglar at three o'clock in the morning is not going, hey, lads, let's get the blowtorch, or shall we go to number 63? Well, you see, you're just, you're just kind of minimising what I'm saying. I'm saying to you that that's what they're doing. Where? Because they found a way around it. Where? Why do you think they've actually brought out... Where? Do- Where are they doing you, this, You Alan? see, it, it, it's um, this kind of frame of mind, Ian. No, I'm asking for a specific... No, no, I'm telling you Where? I don't have them at hand, but you, it's your Where? kind of attitude... It's not that it's, it's, your kind of attitude, it's your kind of attitude, Ian, that actually says 
that the, the person in the house should be doing everything in their power. Of course they should. And therefore, oh, well, in that case, if we don't... I've got two, I've got two boys in, in my case, house. If, in that case, Ian, if we don't do everything we can and spend hundreds on security... No, 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 no. ...and reinforce locks to keep out anybody and yeah. everybody, then, then Alan, we are partly to blame, I've got two we? boys in my house. I have put locks on the windows and the doors. It cost me a few quid. I do everything to protect those boys. Where are, where are these burglars opening doors with blowtorches? Do you know, this has been going up north, OK? Where? You, I need a sp- you've come up with an example. I need a specific. Where is this happening? Well, I tell you what, Ian, I don't think we can talk anymore because you're just talking a load of twaddle. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, Alan from Bletchley. He came up with a story. I was just keen to know a specific. Otherwise, it could be myth and rumour. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Here until nine o'clock when Jonathan Vernon Smith uh, takes over. I should point out as well that between three and seven, Roberto Peroni uh, is on. And if you've not heard it, Boy, oh boy, it's a cracking listen. The best stories from across the three counties from amazing local people. Um, and where are we now? It's Tuesday, so it's business and finance uh, this evening. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. In the last half hour of the show, we're going to be talking more about burglars, burglary, food banks, uh, and car boot sales as well. Keen to find the best thing that you've got from a car boot sale. I love a good car boot sale. But I, I, I have to... I haven't been for a while, because if I go... I just buy a load of old junk and I take it home and my wife looks at me with disgust. She's quite a snob, my wife. What are you doing with that rubbish? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Sarah is in Long Crendon. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. How are you this morning? You right? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, what, what have you called in about? Food banks? Uh, well, all, all three of them, really. Well, then, I'll sit back for five minutes and put my feet up. You'll take the show. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, first, firstly, um, second-hand shops, um, car boot sales. Yep. Um, both my wedding ring and my engagement ring came from a, a, a car boot sale. Did they really? Yes. Well, th- th- how did, did you go around with your uh, husband-to-be and look... Uh, for them or did he surprise you how did that work um no i went with him um basically i'm allergic to gold so it oh. had to be silver <laughs> well there you go that's that, that that makes it cheaper doesn't it it's uh, easy. absolutely that's why he married me <laughs> of course <laughs> um and managed to find a beautiful victorian wedding ring yeah um because they were predominantly gold and silver rather and i have a um an engagement ring that was made by um remy mackintosh that name means nothing to me. I'm ass- the way you said it, I'm assuming it's a big name in jewellery. No, it's not. He was a big... He, Charles Remy McIntosh was a big m- name in, in furniture design. He's the what? guy who had all the ivy leaves and stuff oh. in the 1920s, 1930s. Hang on a minute. And you bought an engagement ring designed by him? Yes. Was there not part of you, Sarah, that was a little bit crushed that you got... You had to get those rings from the car boot sale? No, not at all, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to get anything that I wanted mm. um, in, in silver in the modern day, because everything is either gold or platinum, or, mm. and I'm allergic to it. How much did your rings cost, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> My um, Victorian wedding ring, I think, cost something like £7. Wow. And my Remy Macintosh ring costs thirty pounds. There you go, fantastic! And you wouldn't be separated them for for anything, would you? No, not at all, not at all. I do love a good car boot sale. I'm, I'm just quite nosy, Sarah. It's like we're looking to, to to move at the moment, so we've been looking at lots of houses, and I love it. I love having a little nose around people's houses. It's the most fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, right. So the second thing. This is great. Um, yes. Food, food bank. Yes. And this is kind of picking you up on something. I have to say. Go on. Um, because when you were having the conversation about the food banks, and I will be honest and say that my family um, are actually in receipt of food parcels from a local um, charity. Yeah. 
um, we've lost everything and now we've lost our pride as well. Mm. Um, you said something along the lines of living in the 21st century and, and in Britain and this sort of thing shouldn't be happening, mm. which I completely and totally concur with. But then your next breath was that if people get burgled because they can't afford to put locks and doors yep. and, and things on their doors, and then we have to take a certain amount of culpability. Now, my house isn't secure yep. because I can't afford to make it secure. I can't afford to feed my children. Um, and that was through no fault of my own either. Can, can I ask how that situation arose? Um, yes, in 2009, my husband... Um, Sorry. My husband was involved in a very, very severe road traffic accident. I'm sorry. Um, it was air ambulances, um, and he was very, very seriously injured. I became his full-time carer. He was the mm. main breadwinner. Um, I did work, but it was in and around my children. Um, and then in September 2009, my eldest son became seriously ill. Um, he was 12 at the time, and I'm now his, both of their full-time carers. Oh, Sarah, we I'm so sorry. We lost our home. Yeah. Um, and we now live in social housing. Um, what, what, so I just think maybe be a little bit careful because yeah. some, sometimes when people don't have decent locks and stuff on their door, it's because they literally cannot afford it. You're absolutely right, and thank you for picking me up on that. Can I ask what, what happened to your boy? Um, don't, Harry don't have to tell me if no, you don't no, want to. It's fine. Um, Harry was very, very badly bullied at school because he had a, a condition called dyspraxia, nothing particularly major. That's, that's kind of, people might call it clumsiness, isn't it? It's like a sort of physical dyslexia, isn't it? Um, it's mild brain damage. Right, okay. Um, and it, it develops in different ways. Yeah. Um, and because of the bullying he, um, had, he developed Tourette's syndrome, um, and had a complete nervous breakdown and he was oh. on suicide watch for the first six months. Oh, Sarah, I'm so sorry. Um... So, yes, yeah, so that's what I wanted to say, was that I'd love to have a secure home. Of I'd love to have food on my table that my family are actually providing for my children. Um, and that's not the way it works sometimes, unfortunately. You said that your pride is gone. Yes. Is that really the case? When you have to pick up a phone to a charity and say, I can no longer afford to feed my children, that last little bit of pride that you have is gone. How does that make you feel as a mum when you say that? Um distraught mm. um when we had our children we could absolutely afford to have them mm. my husband was on a, on a very very good salary um and and we could afford to have our boys um and with all the special needs and stuff that we had to provide for harry um it gets harder and harder um we've lost his, his disability living allowance which means i no longer get carer's allowance but i can't work because i have to be here for him and so just things get harder and harder as the days go by do you get any benefits at all? Because my mum gets the, the, the got the DLA and that and, and that went and that's you know. Do you get any help at all? Um, the only thing we get is um, um, obviously child allowance and mm. we get um, child tax credits, um, but, but that's it. And I think it comes out to something like eight thousand pounds a year. Uh, and you hear, you know, the, the, the Conservatives saying they're going to cut benefits even more. That must. Well, that's why we've lost our DLA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as I say, if Harry loses his DLA, which he has done, I lose my carers. And carers' allowance was only £55 a week, but it made a difference. Of course it, put it, does. it It put food on the table. You said, you, how, how many kids have you got all together, Sarah? Two. Two. And, so, and the other one's a boy? The other one's a boy. He's called Jack. He's 11. He has dyspraxia, but he's a big character, and he doesn't let people knock him down. Good for him. Yeah. Sarah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for picking me up on that. And, uh, you know, I, what can I say? I wish you the best of luck and lots of love. Thank you very much indeed, Ian. Thank you, Sarah. Bye-bye. There you go, you see. <sighs> Makes you think, doesn't it, huh?
makes you think. Uh, can I just say, I, I, I really appreciate, I'm amazed by doing this job, how honest people are when they phone up, uh, and how willing they are, Sarah, and we've had it with other calls, to be honest and t- tell us stuff that they wouldn't normally, you know, they wouldn't normally say in, pu- in a public forum, and they feel they can come and tell me on here, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Sarah. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number okay let's have a look at some of these texts on burglaries helen in milton Keynes. <clears throat> now i read this is this is this a joke helen because i find this incredible my friend uh, in london was burgled seven times in three years the police advised her to move although she was living in a good part of london it turns out the burglar lived in the flats next door when he was caught he said he didn't like to travel to work which is why he broke into houses locally. Is that a joke, or is that actually true, Helen? Because that's in- incredible. Phil has texted in, 81333, starting his text 3CR. My father-in-law confronted a burglar in his kitchen who said he was looking for his friend. My dad-in-law called his son to come downstairs, and when all six foot six inches and 18 stone of my brother-in-law appeared, the burglar's jaw dropped, and he ran off sharpish. Yeah, I bet he did. Now, we've been talking about car boot sales this morning. We had a fantastic story there from Sarah. We've got her wedding ring and her engagement ring from a car boot sale. Well, it's not as unusual as you might think, because an elderly couple from Bedford have unwittingly grown the biggest cannabis plant that police officers have ever seen after buying what they thought was just a nice little shrub from a car boot. Justin Dealey has been out, not growing cannabis, but asking you for the weird and wonderful things that you found at a car boot sale. Now, madam, you've sold, in your words, quite a bit of rubbish at car boot sales. Um, probably the most unusual item was a karaoke machine. And how much did you get for that? Four pound. <laughs> <laughs> they just wouldn't give me any more. Really? Four cheeky. Yeah. And 50p for something that was brand new. So somebody offered you 50p for a brand new karaoke machine? No, they offered me... Uh, I got four... I wanted ten. Yeah. And I got four pounds. But I'd have brand new dresses and tops I'd never wore. Then they want to give me 50p. <laughs> it's not worth standing there in the rain, is it? For 50p. Jane, when it comes to car boot sales, what do you buy at car boot sales? Um, generally, uh, toys for my grandchildren um, and the odd bit of household kitchen stuff. You know, like... Nothing too unusual, but you love a bargain, don't you? Oh, I definitely love a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will haggle just for the sake of it because I just enjoy it. Simon, you've got a fantastic car boot story here. Tell us what happened. Okay, well, my friend was running a car boot sale and um, for a bit of a laugh, he picked up a stone that was on the ground and put it on the table just to see what would happen. Ten minutes later, a guy comes up and says, how much for the stone? <laughs> my friend, straight face, said 50p and the guy gave him 50p and walked off with the stone. <laughs> just shows you you can sell anything. That is incredible, isn't it? It is. Oh, man! I'm doing a car boot at the weekend and I'm just going to get a load of stones. Superb. I do love it. Oh, wait, four, five, nine. Four double five five double five is the telephone number. 8.45, Tuesday the 9th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, is planning to clarify the law to offer greater legal protection for people who attack burglars in their own home. The A1M is set for £12 million worth of improvements. Half will be spent on Bedfordshire's Black Cat roundabout. The other half will be spent on a section of the road near Wellham. In sport, Luton Town hosts Braintree in the conference tonight with John Shaw on standby to replace the injured Scott Rendell, who suffered a dead leg at Lincoln. A dead leg. 
Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Mist or fog will thin out to give us a cloudy day with sunny spells. Top temperature is 14 degrees. And coming up, oh yes, two lions have reportedly been spotted in Bedfordshire. Have you seen them? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Always a cracking listen. Uh, and when I listen to Nick Coffer, I like to um, play the game. Guess what Nick Coffer's wearing today? I, I have an advantage because I've, I've normally seen him in the day and we've saluted each other, but it's, it's always a nice little uh, conundrum uh, to play. Uh, don't forget, nine o'clock Jonathan's show is going to be a cracker. The question is something along the lines of should you be allowed to kill a burglar? He, he doesn't mess around. When he, when he gets a bone, he doesn't let go of it. And it, it's going to be... He's, he's in a feisty mood today. And uh, his shows are always at his best when he's feisty and a little bit peed off. And he, he's in that mood today. So it's definitely uh, worth listening to Jonathan Vernon Smith at nine o'clock. Don't call him Jeremy. Don't call him Justin. He gets well upset. We'll do a couple of the front pages, shall we? Because I don't think I've had a chance to look at these this morning. It's been such a packed show. Uh, the front page of The Guardian. Boris is everywhere, look. Tory masses hail Boris as he swoops into town. He's going to be leader of the Tories at some point, isn't he? It's inevitable. And Grayling goes back to basics. That's the, the, the main story on The Guardian. The Times. Boris rolls into town as star of the party. He's really being hailed, isn't he, as uh, kind of um, the superstar of this Conservative Party conference. Uh, and Osborne refuses to budge over his austerity package. George Osbo- Osborne vowed yesterday to stick to his plans for repairing the economy as he attempted to rebuild public support for austerity. The Daily Telegraph. New right to attack burglars. Householders who defend themselves will only be prosecuted if they use grossly disproportionate violence, says the Justice Secretary. The Independent. Osborne's new jobs offer. Give up your workplace rights. And uh, UK to outflank objectors with wind farms in Ireland. And uh, M- Boris, again, looking all uh, happy. Uh, basically, he's, he's, he's the star of the conference, it would appear. We'll have a look at the other papers a bit later on if we get time uh, during the show. Now, this morning, we've been talking quite a lot. Do you remember, uh, th- about a month ago, a few weeks ago, we had um, the chap in who was going to uh, take, have an abortion protest outside a clinic in Milton Keynes. And we protest all over the country, all over the world. Andy Burton organised the demonstration outside the British Pregnancy Advisory Service in Milton Keynes. It was meant to last 24 hours a day for 40 days. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey has been there since six o'clock this morning. There was nowhere there at about quarter to seven. No one there at about quarter to eight. Justin, what's the latest? Well, Ian, I can tell you that uh, the first protesters arrived at 8.30 this morning. There's wow. currently uh, three protesters here right now okay. on Midsummer Boulevard in Milson Keynes. Uh, this, of course, is uh, 40 days for life, uh, 40 days at 24 hours a day, this protest. Uh, we spoke to Andy Burson earlier on this morning. Uh, sadly, he couldn't join us live on the programme. He was the man who's organised this protest mm. here in Milson Keynes. He said, well, I wish you'd told me because I could have got people lined up for you. That's the well, point, Andy! Exactly the point, Andy. He says this has been a big success, despite this, uh, of course, not being 24 hours a day. Yeah. One of the protesters is with me live here in our radio car. That's Penny Suster. Penny, welcome to the programme. Uh, you've been here every day so far, day 14. Yes. Why are you so passionate about this? Well, we believe that the unborn child is uh, in formation of God's creation. It's we, uh, we deface, Abortion defaces the image of God, and a lot of the the women who come here are not made a really 
thoughtful as much as we hoped for decision to abort. So by being here, we're supporting them, helping them to make an even more guided decision, maybe even a last-minute decision not to abort their child. So we have a legal right to be here to fight for the rights of the women and the unborn child and to, and to support our Christian belief, not just Christian, but just good belief that life starts from conception. Penny, I've got to get this point to you. We spoke to Andy Burton, the campaign leader, earlier on. We were told before this was happening, this was going to be 24 hours a day for 40 days. That clearly hasn't happened. But he still says this has been a big, big success, this. And off the back of this, he now wants to do this process for 40 days, twice a year, every single year. Would you back him? Absolutely. Uh, especially next year. It'll probably be in Lent because that's 40 days. So it's uh, being in uh, alignment with uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, suffering for 40 days. So I back it because it's happening all over the world and in London especially. We've got uh, 40 days happening in Advent and Lent. So yes, okay. Justin. Uh, lastly, and quite briefly on this question as well, because we are short on time this morning, what would you say to any of our listeners uh, who are listening to the radio right now saying that what you're doing, protesting outside an abortion clinic, is morally wrong? What would you say to those people? Well, we have a right to express our feelings. We do feel the pain. Uh, I can't see it morally wrong. We see, we see abortion as morally wrong. So we're pro life and pro-choice you know there's this battle so uh, we don't see it as morally wrong we we're here to support both sides within the womb and the mother as well so well thank you very much Olivia. justin can i ask sorry sorry to interrupt could you yeah. ask uh, penny uh, has anybody who's been going for an abortion spoken to them and changed their mind yeah it's an interesting point penny we're, we're talking about the people obviously that have been going inside this clinic has anybody come out and they've said to you thank you for being here because you're here and you're praying for us and you're protesting against abortion that they've actually changed their mind has that happened do, do you know of that not to me personally but it's been happening quite a lot in london this movement started in america and we have regular updates of women coming out of the clinic saying thank you crying i haven't aborted my child you were there you supported me at my 11th hour just that minute last minute decision and with the images we have of our lady of guadalupe who's the uh, patron of the unborn child it moves people she's miraculous she moves women to, to feel that their child in, within them is worth keeping and and loving and and them growing as wonderful mothers which they're quite capable of doing well there you go uh, penny Sousa joining us live here from our radio car and andy burton of course the man behind this protest he told us this morning he said it has been such a success that he now wants to do this twice a year every single year sadly we haven't got a response from the clinic as yet okay, we'll uh, then i open but um, hopefully that'll come later today justin thank you very much i, I do find it uh, amazing and, and uh, listen everyone's of course everyone's allowed to protest they've got legal right that's fine and and, and that's their belief but I, I do find it a little bit disgusting to say that that listen no one goes into an abortion lightly no one M- maybe the tiniest tiniest percentage but m- most women i think are sensible enough to have looked at all of the options considered all of the options i know people who've had abortions and they found it very traumatic but they've looked at every possible option and to say that they, these people are kind of wandering in and, and, and not taking it seriously, I think it's, it's a little bit unfair on those women. But we shall follow that story, uh, and hopefully maybe later in the week we'll get a statement um, from the centre. Now, it has been reported that a woman has seen a lion while walking her dogs in Bedford. A lion in Bedford. The big cat apparently crossed the path just feet away from her uh, near uh, Goldington before heading towards a nearby pig farm to feed on 
pig, I guess. I don't know. Now, do, do lions eat pigs? I don't know. Now, a second person has come forward to say they saw a lion on the prowl in Bedford. Sam Watson is a researcher on big cat sightings. And just to make this show quite international, Sam, I believe you're in Cairo, of all places. Yeah, good morning. That's right. How are you? I'm very well. What on earth are you doing in Cairo? <laughs> well, um, I pay the bills by teaching, but um, by, by trade and training, I'm a biologist, so my sort of cat research is, is more of a hobby as much as anything. How common are sightings of big cats in Britain? We hear about them every now and then, don't we? Yeah, you, you probably get about a thousand of them um, annually, spread over the whole country from Scotland down to the southwest. And they're more common in the summer months because daylight hours are obviously longer and crops are shorter because they've been harvested. Where do they come from? They can't have escaped from zoos. They, uh, are there wild lions living in the, the forests all over the country? situation is that in the 60s and 70s, they were kept as exotic pets um, and status symbols. And uh, the government made this, um, in some ways, prohibitively expensive in 1976 by introducing the Dangerous Wild Animals Act. And there are documented cases of owners, pet owners, then releasing these animals into the wild parts of Britain. Um, and the animals that people see now are the survivors of these releases and also in some cases uh, results of successful breeding in the wild by, for example, um, leopards. This is incredible. So it, this, this uh, obviously you've not seen it, but this cat that apparently has been seen, is it likely to be a lion? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't want in any way to cast aspersions on, on, the, on the quality of observation and the people who've seen it, but I mean... Police officers have seen large uh, black cats and large tawny cats in the UK in the past, and obviously, you know, you, you can say with some certainty that these are trained observers. I've seen I've seen black leopards in the UK. Wow. It is possible. It is possible. Um, it, uh, how likely? I don't know. I mean, it could be a large uh, tawny-coloured cat, which might be some species <laughs> or type of leopard. It could be a golden Labrador dog. It could be a lion. There's no way of telling. Sam, I'm walking the dog. I'm in the forest in Bedford, and a lion stops in front of me. What do I do? It is highly likely, highly likely, that the lion will back off and disappear. Um, they are shy, secretive creatures. If it's a lion, I mean, the cat, let's call it a generic cat, will back off and disappear. To my knowledge, there have only been three encounters in the last 30 years nationally where people have been injured by these cats, and usually that's because they've blocked the cat's escape route, and the cat has rushed at them, pushed them out of the way to get past, and in doing so has clawed them. So, so they are... You would treat them with respect in the same way that you would treat the large dog. I'm going to ask you a question, Sam, that is either going to be the most ridiculous question you've ever heard, or actually it's genius. You know that <laughs> thing in Crocodile Dundee, where he gets out of the car, and he does, like, the psychic thing to the animal to make it calm down? Would that actually work? <laughs> I wish it would. Oh, no, it, nuts. it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Um, Why are you so interested in big cats, Sam? Um, I suppose I like African wildlife, I like cats. It's become a natural extension of an interest for the last sort of, I don't know, 25 years, I suppose. And you, you researched this. Have you found out anything exciting, unusual about them? Um, there is, there is a possibility that we're, we're exploring parts of zoology and biology that aren't fully understood in terms of how much Things like uh, leopards and mountain lions can interbreed and create viable offspring. That's wow. sort of biologically interesting in, in a slightly geeky way. 
Um, they're, they're certainly around in the UK. Uh, people shouldn't be worried about okay. them necessarily. Um, yeah, it's just a, a fact of sort of UK wildlife these days. So, final question: What's the weather like in Cairo? It's lovely. Thank oh, you very much. Go, go away, Sam Watson. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Fact: He's in Cairo. Sam Watson, there, researcher on big cat sightings in Cairo. I'm so jealous. Fantastic. It could be a lion. It could be. Thank you, everyone, who took part in the show today. We'll put up little bits and pieces of it on the Three Counties Facebook page. So go and have a look at that. I'm back tomorrow at six. Coming up next, it's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Getting beds, hearts and bugs. It's name right. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.